Welcome back, everyone, to the Fake Nerd Podcast, or should I say welcome to the Fake Nerd Podcast. As you can see from the title, this is number one. In true comic book fashion, we have rebooted. Ooh. Uh, in fact, we'll actually talk about a comic book reboot uh, happening this coming year, mm. couple months. Whatever. Um, it's a little sizzle. Yes, we are starting a new format. This is a new system. It's a new format and will likely be the thing going forward. Um, but just to kind of give you guys a recap, look, it's on social media. It's on last last week's. If you didn't know, we are take, we're not like we're not going to be reviewing today Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. We are uh, we are just going to be doing some news, some with the roundup. But let's get right into it. New episode. I'm Brandon T. McClure. With me. Uh, this week, as always, is Sparks Witty. Hi, welcome to episode 336. <laughs> it's one. It's... No, it's 336. I know, it's one, and the next next week is 337. We agreed on this. <laughs> no, we? I said one can be in parentheses, episode 336. <laughs> uh, and Ryan Eliopoulos. Hello, welcome to the legacy numbering. Where we'll, we'll just like, just like the other companies, that we'll forget in a couple weeks. Exactly. Ah. We got... Sorry. We got Danger, That's us. D- Danger Dangers. Congrats on the brand new show. That's never been seen before. <gasps> Thank you, Danger Dan. Thanks for being here. Bright and early. Early for us, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this. Uh, we are, we are, uh, this will probably be the time that you see us from now on. But, guys, how are you? New week, new, new show. How are we feeling? Feeling great. I got a coffee. Oh. Excuse me. Um, feeling good. I I am tired, but it's so nice to like, to like have have the whole day ahead of me and still get to spend time with my friends. It's a lovely it's a lovely thing we're doing. Yes. Uh, our, but we have links in the description, mm. as always. Mm. You know, uh, I'm being a little cheeky. If you had no, it's not our first show ever. This is in fact our 336 show. I, We've been doing this for seven years. I have to admit, I'm kind of surprised you didn't make a joke about like because we're starting a new number one and Ben is in here that like. We had to start a new show because we got rid of him or something. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I haven't even mentioned Ben. I guess uh, ben Magnet is not here. Sorry, the, being part of the intro was unexpected. Right? So. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, ben, Ben is uh, not with us for the change here because honestly, one of the reasons we decided to do it right at this moment, it was going to be a little bit later, but not by much, is because Ben had big plans this weekend. And we were like, you know what, Ben? Don't worry about it. We'll just take things in this direction so he can be less stressed and do the things he wants to do. So we're glad he's having a good time. 100%. I couldn't put it better myself, Sparks. So let's get into some some links. Not some weeks. Some links. That's later. Um, My CBR articles are published, as always. Um, There's a couple that popped up this week. I believe a Pixar one and a... Um, where I did like the top, top Pixar uh, films, there's a lot. Man, Pixar like kills it. Like, there's a lot of like ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes for Pixar. It's true. I don't know if you just heard the the assault happening in in my room. <laughs> Sorry, Blink Blink was literally just piling on Emma. <laughs> Audio listeners, if you heard some raucous, that was some cat violence. Sorry, Brandon. Talk, talk about Pixar. <laughs> it's like why why right now? My bad. Um, and then what was the other one that that got published this week you know what it's fine it's there you can find the links they're in the description um danger dangers in the chat uh r.i.p ben i'm sad he didn't survive the reboot 
Yeah, he's gonna get recasted with a younger, younger, sexier can't, version. Can't all uh, come out the other side of the Flashpoint unchanged. That's true. We. It's actually next week. George Clooney is gonna be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers for the Flash. If you haven't seen that Man. yet. That still might be the funniest thing to happen in cinema this year. Yeah, I still think about that. I'm like, what were they doing? If I weren't, if I weren't so anti like a lot of the AI stuff, I would do one of those fake faces of George Clooney that that has been. It's me, George Clooney. Talking out of George Clooney. To keep the Snyderverse alive, you have to see the Flash. Um, and then I'll say uh, the next link I'll say is my um, I put up I put this up yesterday on kaijuramanmedia.com my review of Skull Island season one the animated show set in the MonsterVerse that is currently on Netflix I really enjoyed that show I talked about it a couple weeks ago with you guys I didn't say something that I that I didn't just found out while writing this review it's written by the guy who wrote Love and Monsters mm. oh yeah that's like that that's is a good a movie. movie that is a good movie. Like I really, so I was like, "Oh shit, that's wild!" And he wrote the whole series. That's cool. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that that that's linked below. I it's, I've never written a review before, so be kind. Um, I tried to be as detailed and in depth as I possibly could. Very light spoilers, so if you want to know nothing, probably don't read the review. But if you're okay with a couple of a couple of things, and go for it in the chat. <laughs> uh, I tried to pull it up, but I'm not logged into Google, so it won't let me. <laughs> Looking forward to seeing Don Cheadle co-hosting next week. Yes, that's cute. That's very cute. Um, okay, so um, yeah, I worked really hard on that review. It's about three pages long, but I, I really, really like that show, and I wanted to review it for the for the thing. Uh, so check it out. That's Appreciate awesome. It. Hell yeah, dude. Uh, Dean Dark number 34 episode 34 Danger Dangers is in the comments right now that is his show and our co-host Ben's show um, if you, you've heard of, I'm sure you've heard us no you haven't this is the first episode no no you <laughs> haven't heard us hey guys Dean Dark is a good show it's a it's a comedy horror uh, uh, D&D podcast by someone in the chat and our, and our host Ben it's wonderful if you love D&D if you like the Universal Monsters if you love really funny inventive D and D stuff with like with you know something that's not usually D and D related like you know uh, uh, vampires and ghouls and invisible men it's just Frankenstein's it's just it's a damn good time this was a wonderful episode too yeah it was this, this was, was a good, really good episode as always hats off to you Dan um cool Ben's not here so he can't really say anything but yeah uh, good good episode he I can't agree. he can't spoil this episode I can't <clears throat> um uh, real quickly I. I put the I kind of I'm reading this in order, but I actually put this in the wrong order. Um, we're gonna be talking about some strikes this week. Um, uh, this, uh, you know, I speak for us all. We support the SAG, we support SAG, AFTRA, and the WGA in their strike. Um, but the links where you can find information, where you can support, uh, those are below. I think there's three now. Um, so uh, if you can support them, uh, or if you just want to learn why they're striking. Um, and you haven't been listening to us for the past couple of weeks, then please click on those links, check it out. And then, um, guys, yeah, Fickner's Watch. It's the three of us. It's, a, it's the three of us did uh, two Fickner's Watches that are in the description uh, below, which is uh, Strange New Worlds, episode four, Among the Lotus Eaters. Yeah. And, uh, which is a pretty, pretty fun episode. So I didn't really care for it. But hey, it was fun recording with you guys. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Always. Uh, Secret Invasion, episodes two and three. Yes, that's correct. Man, what a week! I forgot that was that was mm -hmm. our week. Yeah. 
So we'll be back for four and five for Secret Invasion. Yep. Uh, yeah. For that. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> even just four, five, and six. We'll see how the rest of this season plays out. I'm not watching it. I'm not watching it weekly. So is it that bad? No, it's, it's not just, that like, it's that bad, but it's just it's not it's not appointment programming. Yep. Just, look, yeah. the episode four was was a week. half hour, and I'm a like week, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, is episode five a half hour? Because I feel like we're really like six episodes already didn't feel like enough landscape to do this. Right. I'll tell you what, I'm st- I'm really starting to feel Falcon Winter Soldier vibes, like with the way the the ending is going. I'm just like, man. Like, you had some good stuff at the beginning, but just like that show, it's just like, uh... But we'll see. I would love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. Yeah. Uh, well, stay tuned for our next discussion on that one. See where that goes. Um, my conversation episode with Rachel Strange from the Narrative Labyrinth podcast, that is up uh, in the description below. I talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, great conversation. I really enjoyed doing that. Um, next week, speaking of Dean Dark, the next episode coming this week will be with the entire cast of Dean Dark. Ooh! Wow! Very exciting. Very uh, kind of my spoiler, my big spoiler for the for the season is that I attempted to do something I never did before, which is an interview seven people at one time. How'd that go? We'll find out. You'll find out. <laughs> um, I I only I had Dan to, talks. I had to resist for a while because I knew this happened and I knew where it was. Like I had access to it on the YouTube, and I'm like, don't watch it. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ruin it for yourself. <laughs> um, and to not that look, we we jest, and I, I like to make fun of myself, but I do actually think it was a good conversation. Um, it should, I'd never done it before. I I never interviewed that many people at one time. You know, I'm I I like to think I'm very good at a one to one. Like if you're if it, like if I got you, I'm I'm a good interviewer. Um, but seven people was tough. I'm not gonna lie, but I do think it actually turned out okay. It's like a like a comic con. Yeah, so I'm excited for everyone to hear that. I'm, I'm I, putting I it. Really I'm putting like it out there just because he's here. You should probably get just Danger Dan for next season to talk about his Process. clear fandom for the monsters. Because mm-hmm. I've taken a look at his YouTube channel where he's done essay stuff before talking about the monsters. So that would be a worthwhile conversation. Mm. Yeah, I think I might. Um, Dan actually in the comments. Um, very exciting. It was a very fun interview. Chaotic as we always are, but great experience. I appreciate that, sir. I didn't have to pay him to do, to say that. So. <laughs> it's nice. Um, all right, but yeah. So stay tuned for that episode. Um, cinephiles, cinephiles have been updated with our la- with last week's episode uh, discussion of uh, Mission Impossible uh, five and six. So Fallout, uh, so Rogue Nation and Fallout. I can't fight the friction. Really fun discussion. As always, love the Mission Impossible films. Check that out if you haven't already. Let me tell you all, redoing all these Mission Impossible movies and seeing the newest one, I think Mission Impossible Fallout is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, it's a yeah. really good I feel like that movie, when I think of like action movies, I'm like, man, Mission Impossible and John Wick, like they're carrying like the American action franchise like on there. Like Fast X is, like Fast and Furious is good, but like the quality is really with like Wick and Mission Impossible. I'm yeah. like, man, those guys, they really got it. Thank well, you. Well, like, like, the Fast franchise has been like they were doing innovation and then they just kind of have been continuing to go at a pace since seven. Yeah. And uh, Mission Impossible and John Wick are more about like finding new things. Actually innovating. Yeah. 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 Um, I will say there are three part ones to sizzle our Dead Reckoning review, which is coming. Mm-hmm. We just don't know when we're going to record it yet, but it will happen. Um, of course it will happen. We did the first six. Yeah. yeah. That'd be a bummer. <laughs> Right? Just be weird. 
of the three part ones, uh, Dead Reckoning, Dead, Re Dead Reckoning is my favorite. Mm, more than Spider Verse? Uh, not by much, but yeah. That's fair. Um, Good movies. Two uh, two great movies. Great movies. That's why it's tough. But yeah. like, I'm pretty confident that I really like. I, I really liked Dead Reckoning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for that review. Check out the five and six review. Check out one through four. We've done them all now. Uh, specifically, just get Ben interested in going to see Dead Reckoning. So that was exciting. Woop woop. Experiment Arcade Pause Menu Quarterly uh, 2, right? This is your second yes. quarterly? This Q2. Is? Q2 2023. That's the link below. Why don't you talk about it real quick? Yeah, man. We just talk about uh, the last three months of games that we've been playing, the last uh, three months of news. We all pick like a like a new segment we talk about. Um, we look at the future of the next three months of what's coming out. Uh, just another another great time. Yeah, it's a it's a good conversation. There's a lot of good games on the table right now and good games coming. So um, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of so much conversation. It was also nice to like, we don't usually get to spotlight as much of the indie stuff coming down the road, but because Ryan and I had done the demo stuff, we got to talk a little bit more about why those demos were so solid. Hell yeah. Cool. Um, so yeah, those are linked below. Where they are available, they are also in audio, so video and audio formats, so um, make sure you're checking them out wherever you can. Uh, so that's that's all the links in the description. Please check them out. What, uh, who, who wants to go? F well, I guess it's, we just decided it was either myself or Sparks. So Sparks, do you want to go first? Um, For the weekly roundup, if this is your first episode, we talk about our weeks before we talk about our main main news subject. So if we have anything we want to discuss that we did this week, let's talk about it. I forgot the trope of us being in the first episode already. <laughs> <laughs> Consistency! Do um, you want to go first? Uh, yeah, I, I really don't have anything to spotlight that I want to spend a, you know some time talking about. Uh, I, I will highlight, because Ben's not here, that I do think that the Dean Dark episode was really solid. That's something I engaged with this week, and, and I continue to really like the show. Um, I think that uh danger dan not to over compliment while he's here but like uh the the way he's handled this like splitting the characters off which has been this recent arc both this episode the previous episode mm -hmm. has been um really cool and like you know kind of like the fun episode and then the like i'm gonna think about character stuff this episode and uh i think they're all doing a great job over the there. editing specifically too like when they're all split up and hearing like little drops when you're dropping between characters like it's just like, it's incredibly well produced like yeah yeah oh yeah yeah uh, that's all um, highlight. All right, uh, I agree with all of that actually. So, uh, so I'll talk about my week. I've only got one thing I want to spotlight. Oh. Which is... oh, I'm sorry. You know what? I do want to mention one other thing. You and I played a board game together. Well, which one are you going to talk about? <laughs> Mountains of Madness. <laughs> oh, don't, 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 Taco Bell. We played Taco Bell. <laughs> we we. That we sounds did. less exciting than the H.P. Lovecraft horror game, to be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there, there's this board game called Mountains of Madness that was actually a ton of fun mm. to play. Um, it's it is based off the book. Um, and the whole gimmick is that uh. So you have to scale the mountain and then escape, but you have to come off the mountain with more relics that you've discovered than your team has acquired injuries. Otherwise, even if you escape, you lose. Okay. Um, and so it's not just take a straight path up the mountain. You have to kind of make decisions about, oh, we should go down here. But every time you unlock a new area, you have to overcome challenges of course. by uh, communicating with each other what equipment you have and making sure you put in the right equipment. You have 30 seconds to do that, and during that 30 seconds, all the players who have madness cards that tell them things that make it hard for them to communicate, which might be like, you don't face the table until you play your cards. I love that. Or uh, you only respond in yes or no. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff is all happening, and you have no idea what 
other people's madnesses are, so you can't account for them. Um, and you have those 30 seconds you have to figure it out, and then you just got to put your equipment in and hope you pass the challenges. I'm into it. Uh, I it's, love madness. It's, it's a really good way of making it feel like people at the table are going crazy and you can't understand why and it gets frustrating and then like what the the rules of the game say like once the 30 seconds are over you have to pretend like none of that happened man trans you have to pretend like you have no clue what they're talking about if your behavior is weird that sounds dope dude like translating the madness idea of like like you you cannot perceive the unperceivable right. and like what does that do to you in like a board game form is super super exciting to me to thinking about that so i'm glad that we own it um yeah there's there's one uh, i had where um, right before you play your cards, you ha there's something under the table. You have to double check if it's there to attack you. Uh, and so you like freak everyone out and then put your cards in. Nobody knows what you're doing. That's cute. I like that. I had one. I had one where uh, I could only hold one card at a time, and they didn't clock what my madness was for like a long time. We could kind of figure out everyone else, but I was just doing this. Like, so everyone's holding their hand of cards, and Brandon's having to like just pick them up one at a time to look at what he. Has. They're like, what's your madness? And I'm like, I can't, I don't know what you're talking about. Then every turn just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It's, it's really, fun. it's really cool. Um, it's, it's a solid game. Sounds wonderful. All right. Go ahead, Brandon. I agree. So the Taco Bell game was a lot of fun too. <laughs> I preferred that game. I'll be honest. Sure. <laughs> um, Matt's madness was quite frustrating. Oh, I don't, uh, I only have got one thing I want to, I want to highlight because I mean, I did a few other things. I'm not going to talk about Ruby Gilman. Sorry for that movie. You um, you saw Ruby Gilman. Zara really wanted to go. Gotcha. You're the two people who saw it. Um, she. Uh, so it's not it's not an elemental situation. I shouldn't be oh. rushing out to the theater to see it. That <laughs> no, is unfortunate. That is unfortunate for the team that worked very hard on a movie that just doesn't seem like it's very good. Yeah. 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 The the character designs are so unpleasant. Not in a good way. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway. But I do want to highlight something else I did this week, which was actually just I started this weekend, which is Digimon Adventure 2020. Um, I had talked uh, before about um, Digimon Adventure 2020 in the sense that since its release, uh, Toei has been handling its American release very poorly. Mm. Um, and it was first dumped on Microsoft, uh, a Microsoft store uh, to be purchased digitally, which is a, a historically terrible quote-unquote streaming service um vod service that just does not work um and then no with no trailer and no fanfare and no announcement they dropped it on on hulu uh all dubbed by the way i'm talking about the dub the the dub release has sure. been plagued our friend chris Wendell uh isn't isn't it he plays tentomon that dude's yes. working yeah he is uh question because i actually never checked on this was the subversion available on hulu before this uh, yes, because I had I I've been debating just watching the sub for a long time. Understood. I, got you. Got you. Uh, I wanted to wait for the dub because that's just how I've always consumed Digimon. So I was like, no, I respect that, and also like our friend is on it, so I would want to watch that version too. Yeah, um, very good Tentomon, by the way. Like, actually, very good. That's awesome. Good for him. The new voices are tough to kind of um, uh, to 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 kind of. You know, if you're familiar with Digimon, if you're familiar with the original series, um, and you have those voices ingrained, it's difficult to kind of get used to these new voices. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think everyone is very good. The voice acting is is much better than that original show. Mm. Um, I mean, look, that show is that was the Fox. That was Fox. Wait, Fox hey, uh, hey, uh, Edamon. I think Edamon's a pretty good uh, voice actor. If you ask me. 
Uh, right, but like most of the Digimon are like talking real fast. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There. I'm just I just like the Elvis monkey We're, man. That's that's Fox Box era, you know, like uh, ooh Fox Box. Uh, it's a. Uh, the One Piece version of that at the same time was so bad that they had to go back and completely redo it. Like more like no piece. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's it, it doesn't hold up the best of uh, oh. anime dubs, unfortunately. Uh, that's a, that's there's a also a, there's also a lot of mistranslation in that show, unfortunately. Mm. It got better as as like Adventure Two was going, but real quick, sorry, first... sorry about the puppy barking downstairs. Uh, if you hear okay. that, sorry. Um. So yes, so I really like it. It's actually really excellent. Um, I find the format of it of this new show very interesting in the sense that it is almost a completely new thing while also being a reboot where you can see like elements. Like for example, I don't know how much of Digimon you you guys personally know, but um, if you recall, the original show starts with them at a summer camp and then they get whisked off to the digital world. Isekai. Um, we we get set up before we get to that summer camp, and then episode three we're in the summer camp, and then that's just it. Get to the digital world. And I'm like, what a what a wild way to throw me for a loop. Because I'm like, oh, this is how our six digit destinies are going to come together. No. <laughs> um, sure. It's a really it's a really cool show that's incorporating a lot of really excellent elements. Of the franchise that had come after Adventure One, um, especially when it comes to Mega Evolution, Mega Digital Evolutions, or Omnimon, for example, really cool show. I really like it. It's a solid, solid just anime and reboot of Digimon Adventure. Um, I really like it, and I, 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 I'm gonna watch all 67 of those damn episodes. I'm trying. What's the? I don't remember Digimon Tamers. Digimon. It ha it's this one. This is the best one. This is the best Tamers? one. Tamers? Oh, yeah. Tamers is Ta incredible. Yeah, I, I think about that real world stuff like all the time. I'm like, I want to. I just want that. I want that. I love Digimon, but like that is like, I just want that because it's like, I felt like I was so young and it was so dark and I'm like, whoa, what's happening in the real world? <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah. Tamers, Tamers is the best Digimon show. I went through it uh, a little while ago, but Adventure 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 2020, look, it's uh, it's original Digimon series is obviously very close to my heart mm -hmm. and so um, seeing this reboot and having all these other all these other Digimon shows that come after influencing it actively is really cool um, does it feel like modernized and stuff because like I I, I I was always more of a even though I played all the Pokemon games I didn't care about the anime like I cared about the Digi Digimon shows like I watched almost all of the, all the ones that were available to me when I was young so like it does it feel like new and modernized like it does it or does it feel feel like kind of like like an old show you know what I mean like it's, it's 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 like if they took the premise of that old show and put a new anime over it. Okay. Um, there's a lot of stuff um, that's being influenced by like just modern anime aesthetics and things like that. Okay. Um, it, it is a completely new entity. Okay. Almost. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. I might I might uh, I might check it out because I am interested. Yeah, and I mean, there's like, if you watch that original show, you'll see like. Oh, this is that. Oh, this is that. Oh, here's where we're going. Here's where I think we're going with this. And you can kind of, and it kind of plays with you. But every every Digivolution from the from the in training to the champions that I've seen so far has made me sob because I'm like, yeah, Gapamon, you're Digivolve to Garurumon. Garurumon. 
they have like because like the the digivolutions are like set up to be like the end of a of a of a of an emotional connection between mm. like you you get like the 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 digidestin and the digimon and they're uh, and they meet but they don't have a connection yeah but that connection allows them to digivolve and I'm like oh that's cool I love that yeah uh, anyway good stuff I really like the show highly recommend if you watch Digimon uh, I'll probably talk about it maybe one or twice more in the next couple of weeks but yeah sure lovely. Right. All right. I lied. I lied. There's one thing I do want to talk about just very, very briefly. And we've talked about it in the past before, but like it's officially out now. And I played like two hours of it and it's Exo Primal. It is on Mm -hmm. Xbox Game Pass. Exo Primal is the 5v5 Overwatch slash Left 4 Dead with Dinosaurs game that I've been talking about. Also, Sparks played played it a little bit uh, when the beta came out. Um, That game is really, really fun. It's very simple. There's not a lot to it. But man, I don't know if there is a if there is a better like carrot on the stick type of game. Uh, 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 in terms of uh, uh, the way it's made. Because there's like five waves of you, you know, you're moving through the city, you're fighting dinosaurs. And then in an alternate dimension, another team is also doing that. Uh, Because you are on a reality TV show made by this murderous AI trying to appease some overlord that we don't know about yet. Um, It's really awesome. It's like Running Man with dinosaurs. It's really great. Uh, Very Starship Troopers-esque. Every time you are competing with the enemy team and you do better than them, the AI guy will tell you, you are doing better than the enemy team. And if you are losing, it's like, you are slower than the enemy team. And every single time that happens, you either get like a fist bump or you're like, oh yeah? Watch this. And it makes you want to be a better gamer. Uh, the, The gameplay loop uh, again, like, it, there's not a lot to do in the game right now. It is pretty, it is, like, kind of, like, one map that kind of rotates a little bit. But the core gameplay is so effing fun, y'all. And the and the d- literally direct one-to-one of Overwatch characters who are now these mechs that you could be. Like, we could all jump into it and find a character that we relate to and easily can play. Um, it is just so insanely fun and, like, does not take itself seriously. And there's, like, a, literally a giant Tron guy, like, yelling at you how bad you suck. Uh, it's just, it's awesome. It's it's a really unique type of game. Um, and I could see, like, in a year or two from now, uh, uh, when it has a bunch of content, it is the game we go to a lot for. But right now, it is kind of bare bones. But for me, on Xbox Game Pass, so I don't have to pay $70 for it, incredible stuff. Love it. Exo Primal, baby. Do you know if that has crossplay? <sighs> it doesn't. Yeah. It only has playstation because it's a it's an old game too ps4 ps5 so only playstation and only xbox pc can play yeah because i was just curious because like uh uh brandon could play with us on xbox but, but yeah ben can't ben can't no oh, um yeah. it is a old gen game though so yeah it is on ps4 xbox one as well as the new systems and on pc it's just it is it is the console specific unfortunately right. yeah yeah that is, gotcha. that is a bummer but yeah it's a it's it's a, it's a lot of fun uh, it's got a lot of style to it i really like it right shall we go into our bread and butter then Um, all right, so let's get right into it. We got uh, quite a bit to cover because this was a, a hell of a week. Mm. Um, that news up top. Yeah. Oh. Manny Koto, showrunner. Uh, well, who was a producer at first, but the showrunner for Star Trek Enterprise season four, which is largely considered to be the best season. Um, he's a producer and a writer on Twenty Four. Uh, I believe he was the showrunner for Twenty Four in the later seasons and the Twenty Four reboot they did. Uh, and Dexter as well. Ooh, um, I love Dexter. He passed away at the age of 62 after a 13-month battle with pancreatic cancer. <sighs> Damn. Yeah, that sucks. Cancer's a bitch, man. That sucks. Rest in peace. Uh, obviously, the Star Trek community knows him from Star Trek Enterprise. That fourth season of Enterprise is incredible. Like, it, it's one of the best Star Trek seasons ever. 
so that that sucks. Yeah. Andy Fulmer, uh, who is a producer on The Emperor's New Groove, also an animator on Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Uh, he was an animator on a lot of animated films, including Little Mermaid. Yes. Uh, for Disney. And he is the founder of Win Guitars. Ooh. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting thing. Apparently, quit animation to find to because he was a musician also. So he went to do this. Wow, that is such that's not that is such a cool trajectory of yo. I animated Disney movies and now I own a guitar company. That's really dope. That's really cool. He built the guitars. That's insane. What a talented individual. He passed away this week at the age of 73, once again, due to cancer. Damn. Damn. Rest in peace, man. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Um, I, I really loved his story after I, re- I never really heard of him, but after I read a story about how he was an animator, did all these high-profile animated films, great animated films, plus Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, and, and then with that, I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, 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 tangentially related, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit is like one of the most incredible movies ever made, just in terms of te- the tech that it came out in the '80s. Watch the behind the scenes of how that movie is made; like it is, it is mind blowing. The amount of effort and like the ways that they did things to make physical things into live a- into like animated. It's like, man, they just really don't try this hard anymore. <laughs> the movie was so difficult to make today. Yeah, bring it back. Do it again. Um. All right, guys. It happened. Bag after went on strike. No more movies. Um, yeah, that that is uh, so. Uh, real quickly before we kind of talk about the strike, obviously the WGA has been striking for a long time. Uh, Seventy-two days, I believe, is the current count. Sure. Mm, um, yeah, that sounds right. And uh, it's been it's been kind of like, uh, what are we? Uh, what are the, what are the DGA gonna do? Well, they took a deal. Mm-hmm. What are the what's SAG gonna do? So. Um, they offered the extension. We remember we talked about it. They offered an extension to July 12th, and that extension was coming up, and we hadn't heard of anything about a deal. So, uh, real quickly, I'm going to talk about how Bob Iger, David Zaslav, and Ted Sarandos, um, Zarandos, uh, with a couple of other producers, held a meeting, sorry, CEOs, held a meeting to call the government uh, to ask for government mediation to kind of help them find a deal. So, like a, a, a person in the middle. Man, what a bunch of cowards! Right. Well, their their excuse was the government won't let won't let Hollywood get shut down. It's one of the biggest industries in the country. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. That was that was the the idea. And I I I was kind of stunned when they were talking like federal mediator because I'm like, there's no way you bring in the government and they don't look at you with a side eye of like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent. It's like it's like that bit in Captain America: Civil War where it's like, if only we could find the Hulk right now. And then Natasha's like, "Do you really think he'd be on our side?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shot him into space. Wait. It's like, wait, do you think? Yeah. Also, real quick, Danger Danger has brought up uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is his favorite movie of all time. It's a damn good one. Damn good movie. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, j- whatever more you have to say, let's go ahead and say it. So SAG agreed to this mediator. Um, but also stated when they did, uh, quote, we are not confident that the employers have any int- intention of bargaining toward an agreement. Right. So this also comes after Fran, the president, <clears throat> one of the presidents of, the, of SAG, has been, uh, Fran Drescher, has been kind of on the, on the side of the AMPTP, or it looked like, like she was confident that a deal would be made and people kind of got worried about that yes. and then she started spitting this kind of stuff uh what i, what I just said here 
anyway, so uh, when this federal mediation mediator news came about, there was also a report from Deadline that said uh, one anonymous member of the AMPTP uh, said that the plan is to wait the writers out, the WGA out, until they run out of money and lose their homes. Right, and yes. then they're forced so to this, make a deal. So this with got us. released as as a Deadline, I think Deadline article, uh, right. and and then later they were like, whoa. None of us okayed that. None that wasn't of us said supposed that. to happen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. And so, like, but there is an amount of, um, that, that, that no one might have said this was necessarily the intention or the plan, but they wanted this out there to scare people. Oh, yeah. Like, that's the most important thing. It was um, like, it was like, it was a, it and was it, a, it was a leak. Every, every single step of how the studios have handled this has just been like, you are drastically, uh, wrong about how you think this is gonna go. <sighs> yeah, and like, no CEO is good. Like, 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 Bob Iger, who, who, who's the Disney guy, like, yeah, like, like, of all the terrible CEOs, like, I'm not gonna say he's the best of them, but he definitely had, like, he understands... We'll, we'll talk about okay, that. sure. Yeah, because sure. I know Bob Iger's later in our, yeah, yeah, in our yeah, news cycle, sure, sure, because sure. we gotta talk about his response to okay. the actors striking, because um, I definitely want to get so, into that. So, on Thursday, uh, the, the contract was up. And by Friday, uh, SAG-AFTRA had gone on strike. Yes. I did want to point out on the Fran Drescher thing that, like, a lot of people were criticizing her in the lead-up to this because there wasn't a lot of, like, standing strong talk from her. Or she was, like, in Italy hanging out with Kardashians. Even before that, like, yeah. she just wasn't, she wasn't getting out front and saying, like, oh, yeah, we'll stay. Like, she was being supportive of the writers, but not in a way where she was, she wasn't out there championing solidarity with the writers during yeah. their strike. Um, and everyone is, like, her speech is very good. Everyone is celebrating Fran Drescher, like getting up in front and saying, "We need what it took we, until we need what getting we here for her to do that." But notably, she does it two days before the strike happens, and it, it does seem like just the writing was on the wall for the strike to happen. So yeah. she wanted to get on the right side of it. Yeah, of course. Uh, it just well, to offer criticism on that. I think there's a there's a sense that you know even Sean Astin, who was part of the committee to, that was trying to make the deal, um, was saying that she was optimistic that a deal could be made that they were that the that that the amptp was <clears throat> negotiating in good faith and that's what pissed her off that she found out she was wrong right and that's and that's fair and everything i i i'm looking back to about like three or four weeks ago when she was stopped on the picket lines with the writers and mm -hmm. she didn't give a strong message of solidarity um that's as true. a representative of the of sag -Aftra, and everyone was like well that kind of sucked yeah that like because this is coming for you too and it was very much like Regardless of, of that, I think, you know, like, you're right. Like, she realized they weren't negotiating in good faith with the actors either. But um, she was very much in a position of, it appeared, with what she said at the picket line, of, well, we're probably going to get ours. So we're not too worried. Yeah. Just like the directors. Point. Um, all right, well, SAG-AFTRA is now on strike. This is the first time in 60 years that the writers and the actors have been on strike together. Mm -hmm. um, it's been It's been quite a while since this happened. Um, basically, I tried to kind of look for what exactly the demands were, like the writers put out, like the WGA put out, but SAG has not put out the, the contract they were asking for, the WGA has. Um, but uh, from what we can gather from interviews and things like that, it's, it's largely the same stuff. Streaming residuals, healthcare pensions, and AI uh, protections. I got a I got a fun fact, and I just had to look it up to to make sure. Even though I, I told you this, I just want to double check yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, do you know who the leader of the of SAG was during the last time this happened, the strike? 
I do, but yes, you should say it. It's Ronald Reagan. <laughs> and I love that Ronald Reagan's like, I'm like, hey guys, we should have everyone support each other and get paid, and then he becomes president and is the worst person ever. <laughs> I think it's really funny. <laughs> It, it's really because he's so, he was such a union buster. He like famously didn't like unions when he was president. Right. Yeah. I'm just like, man, people grow up and change. It sucks. <laughs> uh, real quick, highlighting uh, Danger Danger's uh, comment. Realistically, it'll be a war of attrition with nothing coming out. The stocks are eventually going to tank. It's just a matter of whether that happens before or after the writers and actors starve. Yeah. Um, we know right now, um, just because of good reporting, that the writers at least are prepared to go into next year. Um, as far as like the way that they're supporting each other through their entertainment fund and everything, and and that they're getting a lot. And there's com- there's uh there's uh like companies who are like helping like like pay for rent and for food. Like there are there's a lot of like groundswell support. Yeah. So like lots of people yeah. are suffering, but they're all helping each other. Honest, I just want to quickly like as as Brian and Sparks have said, absolutely. Those links are down below in the description. So if you are one of those people who want to help, uh, just go check out the description. They are there. Right. Um, yeah. So I think uh, and and the actors too are going to have a lot of support, especially. Um, uh, I know there are some who are at like the the upper chain of of celebrity in the SAG-AFTRA who are saying they're you know going to put money in to be supporting all those under them who don't make as much in the guild to make sure that the strike moves forward because they are all in solidarity. About it's been, what it's been awesome seeing, I mean, it's just on Twitter, but how many celebrities are like, hell yeah, like I'm rich, but I, I was once not rich and I understand what it's like to be a working actor. So like seeing Ron Perlman and like, and like Sean Gunn and all these people come out and going like, yeah, like fuck all these rich people. I'm like, hell yeah. Right. Cause they know that 87% of, of SAG members don't qualify for health insurance. I didn't know this until again all the stuff like you have to make almost thirty thousand dollars a year to to qualify for health insurance. And I'm like, if you don't work, you just that sucks. Like that's man, it's rough. Yeah, it's rough. Um, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of clear problems coming out. Uh, yeah. you know about about the situation and exactly why these two groups are striking uh, as adamantly as they are. Um, it also really sucks just to highlight that you know we know we it's very clear. Now, why the contract was pushed back, the contract was not pushed back uh, for negotiation to the middle of this month um, because they thought that they would get a a good deal with the actors. It was pushed back so that they could get all their preemptive marketing for the movies for the next few months Mm. done because they wouldn't be able to access the actors. So they had things like Jamie Lee Curtis and Owen Wilson going to, to Disneyland to promote Haunted Mansion recorded uh, earlier this month so that they could put it out this week. Uh, uh, because they wouldn't be able to get them to do it at the proper time. So that's that seems to be the main reason the studio's push back is to get all their promotional stuff banked so they could release it without the actors uh, being present. Scummy. Do you, you guys... So, okay, I, I'm going to bring this up because you brought, you brought up Haunted Mansion. I was going to kind of wait to find a different spot. But it, I really... One of the funniest... One of the unintentionally funniest things to come out of the strike is the fact that Disneyland... Disney, their, for their Haunted Mansion red carpet premiere had to have their underpaid face characters they had around at the time. Mm-hmm. That, was yep. re- that was a really... F- seeing, uh, it's it's like, them um, and the director, and that's it. Corella DeVille or whatever, like, on the red carpet, was like, wow, this is really funny. <laughs> uh, the other thing about it is that for that premiere, a lot of... Um, I talked with Ryan about this. A lot of YouTubers and, and TikTokers, those kinds of influencers were invited. And uh, I, no one is really going to get this message from us. But I'm putting it out there anyway because uh, we've seen people talking about inside of the Screen Actors Guild who are saying, hey, we really should put out a big message video so that YouTubers and TikTokers and all that who want to be in the industry know that going and doing this is scabbing. Yeah. And they will not be 
considered for being part of the union in the future if they attend things like this. And what sucks is the studios know that there are young people who, who don't want, know better who don't and know they're going to take advantage of And they're them. like, hey, how about you 50 influencers come be part of this red carpet? And like, don't worry, there's no celebrities here. You are the celebrities. I'm like... They don't. They just, they just don't know any better. Like it's just like it's that's that's also sad. Take, being taken advantage. You're gonna watch a lot of people who thought that they could be the launchpad to a career in acting. Not that all of them deserve it, but yes. um, who who would think that it could be that path? It's the door's gonna get shut in their face now because of it. Scummy. Um, there's luckily uh, there's a lot of influencers who probably caught wise, but there will be a lot more who didn't. Um, I'm kind of thinking about what's that kid soups or yes. something. Uh, when he uh, when he promoted um, what was that movie Sound of America Sound uh, of Freedom God Sound of Freedom yeah See, Sound of Freedom like when he was like hey that movie's great and everyone's kind of like hang on see that's soups did you fall for the QAnon yeah that's the unfortunate thing where that kid's like twenty years old and he saw it like oh man it is bad to to uh, uh, like be be taken hostage that is bad but also did you catch any of the other things they were talking about kid I'd feel <laughs> bad but but from all accounts he seems like a right shit so. No, yeah, I just, I, you know, when you're young, I try to give you benefit of that because I remember just not knowing any better. Like, yeah, you gotta learn. Yeah. Um. All right. So, what does this mean? What, what basically, what does this mean? Uh, the the uh, SAG after strike. Basically, actors cannot film any movie or TV shows. However, they can still film soap operas. Um. And oh man, that'd be wild having famous actors on soap operas again. <laughs> um. And obviously, commercials. Those are non-union work. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Um, they cannot take part in any press junket or film premiere. Right. So, Comic Con is out. Opp uh, Oppenheimer. They just walked off. <laughs> I was about to say uh, Oppenheimer. Uh, the cast left uh, during the premiere, and um, which is awesome because that's like mostly big stars. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, Legendary canceled. They're they're the only studio that was going to Comic Con this year, and they canceled their panel. Right. Ooh, Comic Con being a Comic Con. Can you can can you actually believe that? I just wish we knew <laughs> when the tickets were on sale because I would have gotten them and gone. Can you imagine people who did spend like a thousand dollars and now there's nothing to do there? Oh, that's really funny. I'm like this is gonna be a good con, honestly. Yeah, I know. I would love I would love to be at San Diego Comic Con. This Watch year, there be like be a like tickets half off now. Like oh yeah. <laughs> All right, people. A lot of people were selling uh, selling their tickets back. Yeah, but I mean that we already knew that like the big studios weren't going. So yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so um, they can't they, they can't so they can't go to they can't promote at a convention, but they can still go to conventions as a guest. They just can't promote anything they're doing. Right. Sure. So if they wanted to be like, hey, I'm signing some things. If Anson Mount wanted to get, wanted to go to a convention and sign some things, he just can't sign Strange New Worlds merch. Right. That's that's so funny. You, have to, I, you, you can have sign to, like... a picture, but I can't sign your Starfleet uniform. Right. Yeah. That's that's because that's prom that's promotion no, of a show he's acting. I get about. it. It's just like it's legality is really funny sometimes. Yeah. Um the um SAG, however, has kind of encouraged actors not to attend anyway, yeah. even though they can. Yeah. They want to start um, them out in, in every way that they possibly can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um uh, <laughs> dangerous dangers. <laughs> Days of Our Lives is about to be popping. Uh -huh. Yeah. Can you imagine Days of Our Lives starring Cillian Murphy and Florence Pugh? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I'd watch the shit out of that. Yeah, it would be the highest rated soap opera of all time. Um, Alright, Fran Drescher had this to say uh, after just before the strike uh, during her big kind of speech. Which is very good. I highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. 
the studio's responses to the union's most important proposals have been insulting and disrespectful of our contribution to this industry. He also said the companies have refused to meaningfully engage on some topics and on others completely stone and, and on others completely stonewalled us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, these are the, the like this is they're fighting for a lot of the same thing. You know, the DGA also was fighting for a lot of the same stuff. It's you know AI protections, better residuals, streaming residuals specifically because there are none. It was Sean Gunn. No man said Sean Gunn talked about how he's never gotten a residual. He didn't technically say it's residual, but he's never gotten money from Netflix for Gilmore Girls. Al almost zero. And he's like in that show a lot, which is ridiculous. He's in every episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, Brian Cox uh, from Succession, uh, he was doing an interview talking about the strike, and he straight up just, he shared shit all over the Directors Guild. Straight up shit all over them, saying, good for them, they got their own deal. We're, good for them. Good for them. Uh, and I'm like, damn, Brian, you angry. <laughs> like, that dude's, like, hella rich. Like, that dude's doing McDonald's commercials. Like, that dude's, like, the richest man ever. But, like, he it's also, still is in solidarity with everybody. It's also, as people have pointed out, like, you know, a lot of the directors uh, didn't want to take the deal. But the DGA did it anyway. Yeah. And it, and it very much is sitting at a place like, could you imagine the better deal you could have gotten if you just held out? That's the thing. If they knew that the stag was right around the corner, like, this could have been true solidarity. They should have. They didn't read the writing on the wall. Yeah, it still was a majority um, for to to take the deal. So like, yeah. a bunch of shitheads. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I I did want to. Oh no, it left my brain. You'll if it comes it. back, I'll let you know. All right. Well, um, here's a here's some miscellaneous stuff as part as part of their proposals um, that came up that that I've I found online. Like I said, we don't know the full picture like we do with the D, the, the WGA. We uh, they're not releasing the same kind of stuff. Um, but apparently one of the proposals was that the studio would pay a background actor who's part of SAG $100 for one day of work, mm. scan their likeness, mm -hmm. and then be allowed to use that likeness forever. Right. Yeah. Do you remember cause it, it, some, act, some actor on Twitter like, like said, hey, we did a full, the entire crew did a full scan of our bodies, and we were never- Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer. Snowpiercer season four. All of our bodies got scanned. They didn't tell us why, and we couldn't, not, we couldn't refuse it. It was part of like the contract, basically. That's so, so fucked up. I can't even believe it. Yeah. And people are just finding out about it without knowing it. Truly, like, nobody, movies should be deleted for the rest of time. This is awful. Get uh, out of here. Also, this is, this also, is not, this has been happening already. Also, importantly, background actors are, they make up uh, about 13% of SAG AFTRA, and they are usually working more consistently than a, a big chunk of that other percentage just because they're able to get from project to project. Yeah, just being project. background extras. And, yeah. and, they're, and they're able to keep pretty consistent work by doing that all the time. That is a functional job mm -hmm. to just be a background actor for the year and this would effectively end that for so many people um yeah. like like people literally can make a living being a background actor for their entire lives yeah like they can it's it's been done for decades so what 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 this kind of signals to a lot of people is that um what has happened is what well, we already kind of knew that these AI tech bros have convinced studios that this is the future. The studios are waiting until it is, um, and they because they want it more than anything. If you, I don't know if you guys saw, but there was a guy who was like, "Hey, I'm a screenwriting prodigy. Uh, I can write a screenplay in two two days, and in three hours, you have a finished photoreal movie with all new photoreal actors." And I'm like, 
first off, if you're a screenwriting prodigy, what the hell are you doing working at McDonald's? Yeah, um. <laughs> it's, uh, though, yeah, those people um, who think the, that they can make an entire movie through AI, like, they don't have a creative bone in their body. It's the, it's the NFT scam that, like, we've talked about this. It's, it's the same thing we were seeing with, like, everyone saying, like, NFT is the future of blah, 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 blah. The same thing is happening now with AI. And, like, AI tools are on the rise. AI tools are useful I, and, like, this is the problem. Like, AI has become a catch-all for a lot of stuff. Yes. And there are AI tools. I use AI tools in my job. Every single video game that, uses multiple AI systems and everything, yeah. Like, I use a, a specific tool in my job that is useful. It's an AI tool that helps me to just, like... But I have to, like, know how to use it. I have to fine-tune it. And it just gets me... It gets me just past, like, 20 minutes of extra work that I don't need to do so I can get to the part where I get creative with it. Yeah. And that's in, like, what I do for video editing. And those kinds of things are fine. But what they're marketing, this NFT-type push, is this AI can replace all of these things. And it's like, no, that's not true. But, like, CEOs are falling for that hand over fist. Uh yeah, all over the place. It's such a mess. Uh, I really loved asking ChatGBT um, uh, the question about should, would a what would AI be better at replacing a CEO or a, a a worker on the lower line of the film industry? And they were like, well, really, a CEO because like all CEOs are meant to do is do like data analysis and make decisions based off uh, looking at the projections of where things have are going and how they've done before. And like AI would be better suited for that than like the creative process of lower line workers. And that's Mission what AI... Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One in theaters now. <laughs> and that's what AI said about the assessment. And it's very true. It's like, do we really need CEOs? The entity is right the about job? the CEOs. I'm just, I'm just being I, real. I've loved people like saying like, all right, all right. I think we can all compromise on this. We'll replace CEOs with AI. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's but that's the thing we've been talking about before. Like AI can be used as a tool, but to replace the hu the intrinsically human element of art with a computer is just not going to work. It's not feasible. And I, I and it's all just greed uh, for for the for these CEOs who are who are who, who want to replace everyone. They want to do it to save money. Yeah. Well, it's also it's also like really shown them as, you know, like we we criticize a lot of a lot of people for falling for the nft gag when it's like this is so dumb like don't do this nobody the, the the general populace doesn't care about this the way that you are believing that they do it's also so well, lovely to it's also lovely that like the that like nfts evolved but basically like they're all like people still have them but they're not important whatsoever anymore right. guys i don't know what you're talking about the flash was just released on nft yeah i saw that DVD oh menu. yeah yeah on web 3 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can go to a digital back cave and click and get a digital back card yeah they wow. just brought dvd <laughs> menus back around that's true yeah, I did, yeah that's <laughs> um, they did it interact they did it it's back um yeah uh and then you've got it, it's just it's disappointing i think not just that they would do this like out of greed and everything but to know that l all of them are this stupid to think that this is functionally the future. Yeah. That they've all fallen for the lie. Um, yeah. The, the, the thing is, like, they're not looking to ban AI. They're looking... The, these people, WGA, SAG, are looking for AI protections. Yeah. They just... AI should be there as tools, yeah. but it should not be there as replacements. Absolutely. Yeah. Tools are well, fine. They... Replacing people functionally is not. Just like special effects. <laughs> yeah. Um, SAG apparently brought in AI experts uh, who spent months working on proposals, but the producers, sorry, the CEOs uh, wouldn't engage according to, this is what Sean Astin said, um, because he was part of that committee, I guess. Right. 
and he was man it's so weird like michelle heard sean ashton fran dresser and they're like these are people these are famous people who do who are presidents of the union yeah Yeah. i mean you gotta be like there are people who you know like you get involved that's what that's how it happens and it sean ashton makes a ton of sense to me if you look at like the way he's talked about the way he cares about what he does in the career and everything it makes a ton of sense how deeply he's involved with the union um adam conover Um, too for example oh yeah yeah, yeah, he's part. He's the president. One of the people. He's on the board. He's on the board for the WGA, and he's on SAG too. Um, by the way, Adam Conover has been um great, just getting you know what he does, which is get very clearly the message out there uh, to people. If so, if you're not following him, I highly recommend because uh, uh, he's been doing great work here. I wanted to clarify to Ryan's comment that um Adam Conover's in SAG, but he's not on the board at SAG. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. Um, see, he's on a double because he specified he specified that he he feels like he can only functionally be a good committee member on one. Yeah, yeah. That's why he, when he was talking a lot of the WGA stuff, he had a lot of information. He's like, I don't know exactly what's going on with SAG because I'm a member, but I'm not I'm not on the board there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Dropout TV, by the way, is gonna. Oh, well, Sam Reich. Sam Reich put up such an excellent thread about Dropout, where um, like the one thing I'll sum up is like someone talking about having worked on a Netflix show and then having worked on a Dropout show and being paid more for their time on the Dropout show. That's bananas. Which is like that. That's a small business, and Sam Reich knows how to appreciate the workers and the talent and what they're doing. Um, truly, Sam Reich is with Dropout. I think the model of what streaming should be going forward. It helps that he makes a bunch of really small budget shows too. That, that really does help. That's true, but he... He's good he's, at managing it. It's not just... It, he's a CEO who understands both the value of what he's making... Yeah. The, real, the realistic the potential of it. And he's on the ground engaging with all the people on all levels. Yeah. And so... And he doesn't take such a huge cut above everybody else. It helps that he, while being a CEO... He is also just still like a normal comedian man. He's right. not a twenty-seven million dollar a year CEO. He's like, but this is he the is thing. This is the thing we talk about all the time, right? Like, part of the reason is because like Sam Reich is a really great CEO because Sam Reich comes from having done everything they do. Yes, and a lot of these CEOs don't. It's true. They came from just business into business into business leadership business. Leadership, I just, blah, I just, blah 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 blah. Like this is how it's been forever, but I just don't understand like <clears throat> why. It's why James Gunn being like being like the, the head of DC makes so much sense because he's a creative, and he in like when you have a business partner who has the business side, like so many of these business people have no idea how to how to work with art. They don't understand art. They don't appreciate art. They just or do it artists. as money or artists. More importantly, artists. It wasn't always this, this way in Hollywood because the what changed was Hollywood was out by major uh, tech companies like AT&T and Comcast yes. and Viacom. These are these are these were not studios at first. The studios were self-sufficient and, and working for a long for a long time. Paramount was not owned by someone. Universal was not owned by someone. And then it became Univer- Comcast Universal. Yeah. Uh, Viacom Paramount. Like uh, Disney is the only company that is not owned by a higher company. Right. They are the company. Um, yeah. They are the company. So so uh, that's where these kind of CEOs who don't value art came from. They came from. They didn't come from the studio system. Yeah, Uh-oh. it's it's. We have way more to talk about here, but like it is. This really does feel like a big a big change. Like this really does feel like, every, like it's been building for for years and years and years. And like it's like if it was just the Writers Guild, I would I would be more worried. But now that we have one hundred sixty thousand actors on strike. Um, this really does feel like it still might take time, but you can't make movies without actors. Mm-hmm. 
Like you, you we really can't. Like I, writers is like I yeah, you cannot make art without the, the actors. So like, it's, it's shit's it's gonna happen. Well, like, like when it like, happens, I don't know, but it's gonna it's gotta happen. And their contracts are up right now, which is why this is happening. Yeah, but this there there is a a overall general labor movement of people. You know, like UPS three hundred thousand people going on strike. That um, but just in you know, I think as a country coming back from the pandemic, a lot of people have just recognized where like. I'm just not willing to put up with the bullshit where I'm not getting what my work is valued at and I'm not down with working as hard as I do and not being able to afford to comfortably live. It's true. And, and that's just that's just a general feeling that is passing through Everybody. Our, our entire country. Um, and those that have the opportunity to do something about it should. And uh, if you are part of a union, you should. This is the thing that should be happening. Um, but it's also tough because like there's a lot of people who want to take these actions. They need to unionize to do so. And they are being directly ignored by people like Bob Iger because we know that the animation side has been trying. Mm -hmm. They have gotten enough people to say we want to unionize and they are being ignored. Yes. Um, for it. And uh, with that, why don't we talk about Bob Iger a bit, Brandon? Oh, no, I've got a lot more I want to talk about Oh, here. damn it. <laughs> you jumped over so many things that I've been trying to ch chime in for a while. Um, so so one of the things I want to kind of kind of rewind a little bit, which is um, uh, CEOs. Um, th there's a there's something that you guys mentioned, which about the CEOs uh, making making, um, you know, not being able to do what what the other person can do, the lower the lower wage workers, the, the bottom line workers. And there are people who actually think that they can, that the job of a CEO is much, is much more strenuous than the job of the, per of the other people, the people that work for the CEO. And that's just not true because as Park said, these CEOs come from business, from business to business to business to business. And a lot of the time they were handed the business, the first business in the first place. Mm -hmm. It cannot, they cannot be in the bullpen. They cannot be in, the, they don't have the skills for that. They don't have the drive for it, frankly. Um, and and they the, can't go to the billionaire be retreats. The thing that I'm trying to get at is that one of the things that the, that the strikes are for is that there are a lot of problems in Hollywood right now that have stemmed from CEOs making decisions that only make them get bigger bonuses. And yes, CEO of company does deserve a higher paycheck than than its assistant, than his assistant or his or her assistant or below it. Yes, but it's the fact that they are making 400 to one. That's the difference now. Yes. It used to be 30 to one. Right. It's 400 to one. That's the problem. Right. That's too much money. It's, it's what it's what Sean Gunn said. Like what I love about what Sean Gunn said was like, he's not just talking about like, he's talking about the morality of being a human being. And like, what do you need a hundred million dollars for? Why do you need $30 million a year? Like what? What? Why? What? Why are you like this? Like, where's your morality? Why aren't you just being a decent human being? That's the, at the end of the day. Well, this is this is you know part of that again. Like this discussion going on in the country that's even outside of the studio yeah. CEOs and everything, which is just like, you know, billionaires shouldn't exist. Yes. And and uh, these millionaires and like all the people who are making this much money, like, it does feel that there should be a federally ma mandated cap of like you cannot make this percentage mm -hmm. more than your lowest paid like your lowest paid worker or you get taxed to shit inside a company like you shouldn't make more than this like there yeah. should be a cap on how much you can make above your lowest paid employee yeah and uh and because no cap like that exists this this stuff has gotten out of control but it feels like obviously that should be a thing because uh the wealth disparity is insane true so um 
Miss because so because of this, this is pretty likely Miss Marvel uh, is going to be one of the first streaming shows on Disney Plus to air on the Disney Channel. Um, sorry, ABC, part of the wonderful world of Disney, going to air Miss Marvel. Which, by the way, I think they should just do anyway. The uh, streaming shows should be aired on network TV to help get more audience members. They did it with Andor. <laughs> they did it with Andor. Like I just think that like, that's a no brainer. Yeah. Especially with, like, yeah, Disney. If you have multiple Disney channels, put them out there. Why not? Yeah. And, like, I, and like by the way, speaking of the strike, you're doing this. Those people deserve residuals now. Right. That's, well, that's, that's, why, that's why I was going to say that the reason they haven't been putting them on network TV is because they don't want to pay residuals. Yep. They don't want to pay more than they have to. Yeah. Um, cowards, a lot of them. Uh, the PGA, which is the Producer Guilds of America, um, they released a statement in solidarity, in solidarity with SAG and uh, the WGA, which mm-hmm. I thought was really cool. Hell yeah. Um, there's a lot of people who think that the people, that the AMPTP is filled with producers. It is not. The Producers Guild is not the AMPTP, clearly. Uh, the AMPTP is a bunch of lawyers who represent the studio CEOs. Um, they not even, they weren't even created by the C, but Sam Conover has a great history of the, of the, P, of the AMPTP on TikTok. Check it out. True. Um, so what does this mean? Shutdowns, obviously, basically everything is shut down. Um, uh, they, you can't film without actors. There are, however, uh, so like, uh, the Marvel productions are all shut down, including Deadpool 3. Um, great. And, um, uh, I don't know if you guys I don't know if you guys saw this one, but it really spotlighted uh, how much the studios were confident they were going to get the actors to not strike. Uh, Wicked was ten days yes away from finishing. Ooh, I, somebody who was on that on that crew was like cackling like I, on Twitter. He's just like I cannot I cannot tell you how funny it is that we were like almost a week away from being done and we shut down. That makes me so happy, and I'm like, yeah, they must be furious. And Macquarie. Uh... McHugh, McQuarrie, that was talking about um, how they, they're not done with Dead Reckoning Part 2, but they're willing to push if they can't do the reshoots, because they just need reshoots at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, we just got a couple more things to film, but you know what? If the strikes, if the, if the if SAG goes on strike, guess we'll wait. Just give us more time to the polish. Fine with me. Um, House of the Dragon Season 2, however, did not shut down. This is one interesting. This is an interesting yes. one. It is one of the productions that did not shut down because their actors are not SAG. They are uh, licensed through Equity, which is a uh, different it's UK, um, a UK-based uh, actors' union. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't know because I'm like House of Dragon, still full and rolling strong. I'm like, what about the Guild? And they're like, Oi, Governor, we don't have a Guild. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, all, all, sorry, all those people. I'm sure, um, I'm sure yeah. they would love to be in solidarity, but like, damn, we messed up being from England. <laughs> Um, so equity does not ha- has a, a no strike clause, which is uh, you're not allowed to do a sympathy. There, strike, there's so. literally no one in SAG-AFTRA in House of the Dragon. Dude, they're all English. Well, no, apparently, I, I, I guess, I guess so. It's here's one of those things. So I was listening to one of the fucking eighteen podcasts I was listening to, but specifically, like, there are not a lot of UK actors who don't also work in America, right. but specifically House of the Dragon is very much a UK-centric sure. uh, cast. Sure. A lot of those people have not showed up in American things. So, like, specifically, like, 80% of that cast is like, we kind of don't have a choice. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of, um, God, the Lizard. The Lizard? Kurt Connors. Like, what's the actor's name? Oh, oh, uh, 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 Reese Athens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's probably... He has to be SAG-AFTRA also, like... 
He does do a lot of American stuff. That's a good. But question. he might be. But he might be equity too. Yeah, that's the thing. Is he might be both. Um, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I wonder if like if you're shooting in the UK, and you're part of equity and part of SAG, you still have to do it. Interesting. Probably. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the the uh, MPTP was not sure that a lot of foreign productions to shut down, so that could be it. Yeah. Um. Uh. uh anyway, Eddie Air Two also not shut down. Um, Ridley Scott is going to keep filming. Um, he will, however, not film with any of his actors. He will film with background performers and crowds until the strike is resolved. Until he runs out of shots that have background actors and crowds. I mean... Ones who are not members of the union, obviously. I mean, I guess yeah. that makes sense. Like, if you're just if you're trying to do a lot of, like, the B-roll, like, you know, the stuff that's not super, super important to, like, all the main shots, sure. But after a while, like... <laughs> you can't do that for months. I don't know. I trust Ridley Scott to be able to figure it out. He green he replaced Kevin Spacey in two, on a dime. So. Two weeks before the movie came out, shit, dude. He can do like, anything. Ridley Scott can do anything. He can do anything. That's that's true. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is still still impressive. Two weeks before that movie's out, new man. That was weirdly enough the last Ridley Scott film I watched. Oh, I got we gotta watch the last duel. That, I really want to watch a, that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we'll talk about a Ridley Scott film in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, FX's Alien series uh, apparently was done filming and they were in post-production getting ready for reshoots. Um, they are not sure if they will be able to do those reshoot- reshoots because only two of their cast members are SAG. Mm. I really hope that's a situation where they can just push it instead of like just not doing reshoots and having like a shitty version. I really hope they're not going gonna... to... This is the... The Noah Hawley um, yeah. uh, Alien series. I want to see this be good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, again, it is it is a uh, factor of um, you have to be careful uh, with like it, these actors have to be careful the ones that are not in the union because if they're trying to get in the union down the road, they can't work either. This is a, this is a black mark. That's on the them. tough part. Yeah. Um, is that you can't you can't do the work. They'll right be scabbing. Now. Um, it will be considered scabbing. You will not be invited into the union in the future if they find out. Right. Makes sense. And then lastly about <laughs> the about this whole thing is um, the AMPTP, if you are not part of the AMPTP, if you're a truly independent producer, uh, you will be able to uh, sign a temporary contract uh, with SAG in, or, and be allowed to film with SAG actors uh, because you will have a a, a, a specific contract with SAG and you are not part of who they are striking. Um, this is, hmm. uh, I, I forget the name of the actor, but she was working on her own film that um, she pitched to a studio. The studio said no, so she took it and she was making it on her own. Mm-hmm. She's her own producer for it. She is a SAG after a member, um, but because of that I believe that is one of those those deals, she has that worked out separately and is an independent producer. Therefore, their thing can keep working and everyone who works on it is not in trouble with the union. Oh, I think it might have been the Empire podcast I was listening to because there are there are multi-hyphenate people who are writer, director, producer, actors. And in yeah. those capacities, sometimes they are able to because they do everything themselves. They can, yes, yes. They can go forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the thing here is, you know, this is why... Uh, this is why the WGA can't just strike Netflix or strike Paramount. They have to strike all of them because they are part, all part of the company that they are that they have the contract with. Yeah. Um, so if they were able to make separate <clears throat> contracts, like was the original intent, full studio strike might not have actually happened. Right. I just wish if everyone was paid properly and everyone was excited to make the art that they wanted to make, 
better art would be made and more people would be going to the movies, more TV shows would be seen. Like, it's only a net benefit. It's only a positive when more good art gets made. So right. I'm just like, I don't understand why business people don't see that. It's, 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 it's like, it's again, it's like the thing that was Disney was so good. At. Like, they, like, yeah, they're pumping out a lot of stuff, but as long as it's good, they care about the quality. Like, like it's, a, it's always a business transaction. And it's like, we can't, we can't possibly imagine the, the minds of multimillionaire yeah. CEOs who come from generations where Generational things wealth. were just different. Yeah. It's the thing that we talked about. Like, there's so much content out there. There's so much. There's so much big. All the budgets are ballooning to over three to three hundred million dollars. Like, where is this this money? This is a money laundering laundering scheme now. Basically, that's what Hollywood has become for these CEOs, and that's what they're fighting against. Yes. that's the bottom line. What these strikes are about to make Hollywood better. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because again, like. You could have record record breaking profits year to year if you like treat everyone right. You will still get your millions of dollars. Like if you have like the MCU like six years ago, all those movies are making so much money. Like you just gotta care. I'm like, uh, but this is, I'm just repeating myself. Like, yeah. And but you're absolutely right because it's like, uh, you know, three hundred million dollars is a lot of money for a movie. I never see it on screen. Well, I did recently, but like I never really see it on screen. Um, so like, where's that money going? Something like took that money and ran. Yeah. When I, again, like I think of like, and this is very specific, but like infinity Endgame, and those movies are really expensive, but like you also built to something and those movies made billions of dollars. I'm just like, we could, we could do that again. You just have to have like the people on the ground for it. Be happy about it. Uh, danger Dan is correct. The irony of it all is the strikes are more expensive right now than the cost of just paying the workers fairly. That's so true. Uh, it's that the CEOs are standing on, on a cliff of saying, you know, yes, that's true. And we'll lose money right now, but they believe the end goal is like, they'll, they'll profit more and have to pay less if they hold their ground, which is what they want to fight for. Yeah. Um, because they're greedy, selfish idiots. Talk about Bob Iger. Thank God. (laughs) Bobby. Okay. Um, say, say the things. Bobbathan Iger. Uh, has decided to stay on as Disney CEO. If you recall, he became Disney CEO a little bit in the last year. Yes. Uh, pretty late in the last year, honestly. And uh, he came back. He was like, hey, I'm going to fix Disney, but I'm only going to be here for two years. So at the end of 2024, I'm gone. Well, no, he decided to stay on as CEO uh, until 2026. Um, and the other thing that put him in the news was that at his billionaire retreat, where everybody had a private plane um, and parked them like minivans. Yeah. Hanging out with the likes of, like, Mark Zuckerberg and, you know, everyone's other... Musk. And Elon Musk, everyone's favorite billionaires. Anyway, he said at this retreat that he believes that the writers and the actors are being unreasonable in their demands. Unrealistic. Realistic, sorry. Uh, Okay, so I want to talk about this uh, because (laughs) I can't believe that Bob Iger came out and shit-canned any possibility he ever had of being president. Yeah, <laughs> I can't yeah. believe that this is how he decided to take the stance. And it's not because I thought Bob Iger was a better person. Um, I did think he was like, he he had gotten that reputation of being like, well, he's kind of like the better CEO. He's the, and it's not so one much, of the better billionaires. And it's not so much because he's a good person or anything like that. It's because he seemed to understand the value of progress. Yes. The value of supporting the progressive side and how that affected business. And I think he got that reputation from being somebody who everybody anticipated and looking at his career at Disney and everything as a person who could see where the winds were changing and got with the right side. Yes. And it's so stunning 
to see him do this because even if he believes all these things which he clearly does uh i wouldn't be in his position and say that out loud because he it just shows like how much he just didn't realize i guess what his reputation was and how much this was going to hurt it no uh because he just he just blew such a hole in the support team of of his own company so many people who were more on his side than others yeah Danger, very upset. Danger, danger says like, until recently he seemed more savvy and, and able to read the room better than most yes, of us, and that's like, true. Yeah, like like early when the strikes were happening, we were like Bob Iyer is probably going to be the first person to turn turn around on this. Yeah, because he's yeah. the person who like again, it's not because he's a great person or anything. He just tended to see where things were going to go, yeah, good business, and get ahead of it, it so that he could get the most benefit from it. Yeah, and he was good at that. That's what made him a good leader at Disney. Uh, so to see him take this stance was like. I can't believe he just threw all of that goodwill he had out the freaking window. It's yeah, and again, like none of us stand a billionaire, but like he, like we all love Disney, we love and lo- we love the things they put out, but like, man, this this is just like awful. It's like, man, nobody, nobody's good. It's we so, can't, we can't, we can't so, support anybody. It's so funny because you see how hard like people turned on Bob Iger because like all of a sudden there became a discussion of like, let's dig up a lot of the things he said in the past. Let's dig up some of his old interviews about when he was president at ABC. He got, he got Twin Peaks canceled. Yeah, like let's <laughs> let's dig up all this old shit of what Bob Iger has screwed up before. And I'm like, man, nobody was digging in before Bob. Um, he really, he really blew it. Uh, I mean, quick, such an insane movie. I do want to say, uh, just because I brought up uh, uh, Twin Peaks, uh, he did write Bob Iger in his own memoir that he regrets canceling Twin Peaks. He regrets canceling it because he had a great talk with David Lynch and he realized I definitely was on the wrong side of history with that one. And yeah. you're right, Bob. You are right. <laughs> right. Um, but the other thing, I don't know if you have this in the news notes, Brandon, because I don't remember and I'm not looking at them, but I do want to spotlight that what shocked me about this conversation was not just like, the shit canning of the writers and the actors, which is ri- absolutely ridiculous because what they're asking for is not unrealistic and it makes a lot of sense. And boy, Bob, did you step in it. But he also took the opportunity to essentially throw specifically Marvel Studios under the bus. Oh, yeah. But a lot of people, for the failures in in you know people's minds of quality content from Pixar, from Marvel Studios... Oh, he shot on, on the TV shows. Onto, yeah. onto Disney Plus as though... He's not the person who set it up. Uh, yeah, it's specifically like we haven't had like any like real TV output. And then Clark Gregg, uh, Coulson from Ages of the Shield retweeted that going, guess my whole show was nothing. Guess I'm just a piece of shit, aren't I? Well, but like I, it is, I, I get the point, which is like he wasn't saying like Marvel television in general. He was saying Marvel Studios had not made a TV show. Yeah. And that's true. Yeah. But the point is that he acted like he what he says is like, yeah, they, you know, like it's just tough because they rushed to make so much more qu- quantity over quality uh, and like kind of lost their focus and everything. And I'm like, Bob, you set that up. That was you. Like he can that all ha- a lot of that happened under Chapek's reign. But the foundation of it all happening was set up for Iger. Mm-hmm. He put that in place. He put up. I want this many shows. I want blah, 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 blah. Don't pretend that this wasn't Iger. And I can't believe that he's trying to play it off that it wasn't his decision because he was also the person who thought there should be a Star Wars movie every year until he decided, well, maybe that wasn't a good idea. Yep. And so the fact that like this is another thing is usually when when something has slipped up under Bob's watch in the company, he takes accountability and he says, yeah, we need to pivot. Uh, I, I thought something would work. It didn't work. I need to pivot. The fact that he's kind of tossing all of the Disney Plus, anything underwhelming on Disney Plus, under the banner of poor decision making at the top that was that he's not responsible for is just nuts. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was about to say that he he pushed Disney Plus because you're right that is that is next here. Um, he was pushing Disney Plus. He premiered Disney Plus. It was the thing that he was going to leave his legacy. That's why yes. he left after its, after yes. its launch. At that at that press conference, it was him told ever, that said all the Marvel shows that were coming out for Phase Four. Yeah, uh, it, he's the one who, who did that. Pretty much everything that's come out prior to this year on Disney Plus. Bob Iger set the schedule for it. Chapek yeah. just oversaw it. Yeah. But the dates, the selection, that was Iger. Iger made all those choices. It's It feels like now that his back is up against a wall, like, the, the facade's gone. It's just like this. No, I am just a greedy shithole. I'm like... But he just didn't have to. I, it's I so agree. weird that he I went agree. out and did this. It's just like... But, like, I think, like, he does feel threatened by all these poor people. And he's like, yeah, actually, I don't care about y'all. Sorry. <laughs> sorry if I... Sorry if you thought I did. And I'm just like, that is a real bummer. It really is. Oh, Iger, in this discussion, uh, talked about how he'll be reducing spending uh, and creating new content uh, for specifically Marvel and Star Wars. Um, he's going to really scale back on those. Um, Secret Invasion apparently cost $210 million. Maybe that's not a terrible I, idea. I will, I will agree in the sense of like, hey, we don't need this many shows and this many movies if this is the quality level we're putting out. Specifically, some of the te- the Star Wars and Marvel shows, it's like some of them are just like fine to bad. So I'm just like, yeah. honestly, like yeah, like I, if if you want to like push back, like we talked about this months ago when they did like the big like you know because uh, of the pandemic they pushed everything a couple months to give more time for everything to get worked on. Right. I, that's fine with me. I don't need eight Marvel products. A no, year. I agree. I agree with the point of what he's saying, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. that like there was a push too hard for quantity over quality, and that we need to like refocus on what is good storytelling at all these venues. And I'm like, I agree with that point. Yeah. I just don't like that you're pretending like that you choice was made outside of your control. Absolutely. I don't mind the idea, of because I, I agree with the point he's, he's making here. Um, I just think he's the cause of it. Yes. Um, where, he, where he talked about, um, you know, if he's talking about lowering the, uh, the amount that they make, I kind of would rather you just keep the amount you're doing, but spread it out. Make it like the, the the gap between Ant Man, Guardians, and Secret Invasion. Quite frankly, has been great. Yeah, right. I don't feel overwhelmed by by Marvel content this year because the after Secret Invasion, the next one is the Marvels. The Marvels. Loki. Oh no, it's Loki. He's right. Oh shit. Loki's in October. Oh yeah, that's right. They pushed it. But that's in October, yeah. so like I got months before that. Right. Um. So like that feels great. So I don't think the necessary thing is to cancel everything. I just think that's take more time, spend less money on it, maybe. Yes. But take more time. Right. Yeah, Secret Invasion specifically, hearing that budget, um, I, I I have no idea where it went. The important thing is that even though these shows are more spread out this year, they were still made in studio and everything on that time crunch schedule. So, like, we're not going to see the benefits of stretching the schedule in the shows that are coming out this year. We're going to see it maybe next year, more importantly, the year after. Because of how, how long it takes to make the things. Like, they were still rushing out scripts and getting everything done while having to work on all the other shows that they were trying to pump out, like, f- they thought more this year than they ended up. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're not seeing the full benefit right now uh, until later. And um, the other the other thing I wanted to highlight about that is that um, uh, it, while, like, people are talking about, you know, the, the, the Marvel specials going away, which I'm like, I don't understand how that makes any sense. I'm like, those are two of your strongest things. And, my, and they're smaller. Idea. You know, like, they're, they're, they're essentially, like, I think more frequent, bite-sized, singular special things are a good idea. Um, get, get a lot of characters crossing over and doing things for, like, an hour, 
uh, for like a little special story. I'm more there for that 100%. than I am for the like six episode series that's sometimes just kind of spinning. Its I don't wheels. think anybody watched Werewolf by Night. No, that's a problem. So real quickly, I just want to kind of re- reiterate my last point, which was like I just I just don't think canceling anything. I and mean, he hasn't yet, but I just don't think canceling because at this point, every one of the shows that have been announced have writers and directors attached to them. Mm-hmm. I don't think wasting their work is is beneficial. I just think maybe giving them a little bit less money and stretching it out is the is the way to go, Bobathan. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, to what Sparks is saying, so yes, that was my next thing. There are uh, many scoopers who are saying, and these days scoopers are actually getting a lot of things right more than they get the wrong. Um, the it are saying that these special presentations are going to be done. They're not going to do any more. There is one filmed though um, that will come out, but it will be the last one. Yeah, I, I, I like. I agree. Like, I don't think that's the right idea. I really hope that's not true because I do think that's the better way to get people to engage. I do think they need to market them better. Yes. Um, I think they need to call more attention to them when they come out. Yeah. But I also think if you get like a special that features. Like, Moon Knight meets Blade. I don't know something. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something where like you you know it's a uh 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 Kate Bishop is in New Jersey for some reason and runs into Kamala Khan. Yeah. Whatever. Like a one shot. You get, you get like shot. you get like characters that people want to see doing something um, together for like a one shot. Yeah. I think that's more valuable. Give me the road trip special. Give me the one hour yeah. road trip special of Kate Bishop and Florence Pugh. Here's the problem. Give it to me. Here's the problem. That that's incredible. I wish that's what they're doing. The problem is. The first special presentation mm-hmm. was a rated R black and white horror thing that nobody watched. So that set a precedent that nobody wanted to watch the special presentations. Not that they didn't want to watch Werewolf by Night. They didn't want to watch this entire type of thing you're making. And that's just stupid. Why don't you release another one first to test it first? Because uh, that you is release Guardians and no one watched that either. I, I got to oh, you. Brandy, you're 100% right. I forgot yes. the Guardians thing came out. That's true. Nobody watched that one either. I got to I gotta tell you guys, like, every, every like project that goes by i question if kevin feige's as smart as we ever thought he was that dude phase one is like is like so magical like it's yeah like that it, that could never happen <laughs> no way and again like it's also a question to me of like how much is kevin feige's hand on the wheel at this point but like uh it could be too big uh it, I, I, I still question like how much nate moore's control i was about to things. say nate moore <laughs> i i do i just i don't trust it um but uh I feel like the kind of decisions to not see, like, even if the viewership isn't showing up there immediately, the value of the special presentations is something that Feige would fight for. Yes. I would hope. But, I don't know. Dump, um, dump Echo all in one go. I guess that's fine. Yeah. So, uh, Iger also claims that the... Uh, we've been kind of dancing around this, but Marvel's um, output is uh, has diluted audiences' focus and attention, is what he said. I think it's I I don't know about that because again I, you said it Brandon like this year I think it's been evenly spaced out like a couple months between every project the problem is we've had uh, uh, Guardians is the only standout of the year Look, we've nobody, had the the other one and then the TV show and they've both been whatever nobody would have a problem with uh, the output volume if they enjoyed all of it absolutely yeah like nobody would have a problem with it if they felt like the the quality was there and like. Like, I'm more positive on a lot of it than, than the general populace, but I also acknowledge that there's a lot of problems. And I think a lot of it is, like, mismanagement on scripts and mismanagement on uh, production and how fast they've been trying to push things out. I think, like, speed is a problem. Yes. So that's true. But, like, the the sheer amount of things 
isn't the thing that I think is hurting the audience necessarily. It's that when they show up for it, they don't feel like they're being rewarded for their time. I think, yeah. I think the one-two punch of Love and Thunder and Quantumania, and those are movies that I both like. I don't love either of those movies, but those are both movies that the audiences did not respond to at all. And that's, those are like, Ant-Man, not so much. Thor is a big character. Like, especially after Ragnarok, like, those two big Marvel blockbusters did not hit. So I think for a lot of people, it's just like, do I need to see the next one? If it's going to be like these other two? And I'm like, I get it. I get that. We didn't mm-hmm. used to feel that way. Um, uh, Sar, Edgar acknowledged that, this is kind of in the same realm that we're talking about here. Um, Edgar acknowledged that the Disney Plus release of the first, of the you know, the four Pixar movies they did. Yes. Uh, well, Onward, like, was half, and then yeah. Soul, Luca, and Turning Red. Yeah, um, that impacted the demand. Um, like, why go to the theater, theater when you know that the film's going to be on Disney Plus? You did that! You did that! I didn't put it on Disney Plus! Uh, to, to be fair, a little bit, um, Luca and Turning Red and Soul all would have been under Chapek. That would have been his decision about how that was distributed, yeah. and where it was distributed, and why. And we all acknowledge how Turning Red was stupid. So I won't, I won't lay that entirely at Iger's feet. No, but I will that lay it on was, Disney's feet. It is at Disney's feet. Yeah. Yes, I'm glad that he's acknowledging that that was a problem. Yeah, um, because he was not, he wasn't there for those decisions. He probably would have put those in theaters. I think he would have. Yeah. Well, I think he would have put. I think he would have put Turning Soul Red. on as a gift. I think he would have charged for Luca on Disney Plus, just like they were charging for everything else that they were putting on Disney Plus. Yeah, and I think Turning Red would have gotten a hybrid release in theaters and charged on Disney Plus just like the other Disney movies that were coming out around then rather than coming out for free. Lightyear, straight to Disney Plus. <sighs> um, yeah, so he also, speaking of Lightyear, he also said there have been some, quote, creative misses with Pixar, which has impacted I don't, I, interest in Pixar. I understand, like, not liking Lightyear, and I guess it didn't make enough money, but, like, I just, I don't think that was a total misfire. I just, yeah. I just didn't think it was like at the highest level I think, of what they could make. I think they think it was a huge misfire because they, I Clearly. think they expected that to be like a billion dollar movie. I really do. Yeah. I think they wanted that was going to be their new flagship. Like this is our Marvel big movie, baby. Sure, I think you're probably what are right. The, what are the some creative misses? I get the one. Yeah. What are we talking about? Turning red, Luca. Both those movies are great. Yeah. Um. Oh, no, I don't know. The it, some. I don't know. Yeah, um, but yeah, he's—I I do actually think he's right on on the idea that these uh, films. I being, think I think if we're talking, it goes back to real quickly, real quickly, Spark. Sorry, real quickly, it just goes back to the the Marvel stuff. Like, why go to the theater for a Disney film if you know it's going to be on streaming in a couple months? Uh, I I think um, while while Luca was critically really well received, I think profitability wise, again because it was released for free on Disney Plus, I don't think that that made a lot of money mm-hmm. in post. Yeah, I don't think there were a lot of people picking it up on Blu-ray necessarily, whereas Turning Red, I do think, benefited uh, in financially. But I do think while Luca critically was a hit, uh, he might be considering that one a misfire too. Sure. Just because like, I don't think it turned a lot of profit for the company. You know, so interesting about that. So you mentioned something that, that, that I wanted to bring up earlier when I was talking about the strike. Sure. Because the... So with the strike, like a lot of it is the residuals thing. So Matt Damon went on Hot Ones of months ago, years ago. How long ago was this? Months, Wild. months, yeah. He talked about the model that used to be, which was the yes. movie would come out, it would make some money, and then it would be put on DVD and it would make some money again. Mm-hmm. A second life. Um, second life, a second opening. 
Streaming killed that second life and never replaced it with anything else, which is right. one of the reasons why it's so, which is one of the reasons which caused a cascade effect that not, not where the actors not only get not getting residuals, but like now you have to make all your money in box office. Yes. Which makes a lot of these movies fail a lot harder. Mm -hmm. Yes. I do think that uh, honestly, like we've, we've done the wrong thing and should have done the reverse where the movie comes out in theaters the movie comes out on home video and like VOD, you can pay for it, but digitally mm -hmm. it's not on the streaming service or streaming library. And then six months past the home video release, then it's on the streaming service because it should eventually get libraried. Yeah. But for the people who want to see it again quick, you will get that return profit rather than what, just going to the streaming I, service. It should have been a, a bigger gap window. Like yeah. the last place it ends up is on the streaming was, service. If it's not an original production. Yeah. That was how it was before the studios got their own services. That's how Netflix did it. Right. I I quite enjoy. I don't like how fast movies are. A movie will hit in theaters and then in like three weeks it's on demand already. But I I do really like that after a couple of weeks you can spend uh, like like the same amount of money to see the movie at your like you're not buying it yet but you are you can rent it at your house. I right. think that's a great idea. Like I, I think... personally, I I could see a future where I like I, on a Friday I just watch the movie at my house. Instead. I'll even I'll even say like rather than just like doing the VOD like oh I buy it digitally from Amazon. You should be able to just like during the pandemic, buy the digital copy of the movie at home yes. for twenty dollars, but on the streaming service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like on Disney Plus, when it comes to home video, hey, you can also spend twenty dollars to Widow. unlock it yeah. on the streaming service now, or it'll be free in six months. Yeah, I I like that model to be honest. I'm I think that would that. make a lot of sense, and yeah. that would that would fix a lot of this problem. I do want to highlight because we're talking about the Pixar stuff. I'm sure you you might have caught it. Um, I specifically hate uh, that he named elemental as a misfire um After, it's like disappointing and i'm like it literally is the highest grossing animated film for disney since frozen 2 now it has cleared that bar the word of it mouth. doesn't even make sense to talk about it that way yeah it's clearly profitable yeah it made more cost, than Encanto. that's 200 million to make i think yeah it's it, it's it costs <laughs> It made more than Encanto, and we're not talking about Encanto being a mistake or anything. Like, I don't get it. It's 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 already like going up, and it's not slowing down. It keeps every week getting people to come out. It it's keeps getting more and more money. Like, I don't understand why we're talking about Elemental, especially from him at this point in time, about it like it failed. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's kind of you know, CEOs and the media like to pick uh, like to pick on certain movies sometimes, right? Like. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, and Indiana Jones did the same weekend, but nope. Indiana Jones is a failure, and Mission Impossible is a success. Yeah, uh, over three hundred thirty-one million worldwide. Elemental. Yeah, that is not a failure. It's it's not it's obviously not a billion, but that's not a failure. That movie keeps making money. Like yeah, I I don't think you can look at the portfolio again, like of animated films that Disney has put out in theaters, and like this is the first one to cross. Uh, uh, up to the point of Frozen Two, like everything else has fallen below. That's really but Elemental successful. That's really crazy because Frozen Two was years ago, twenty nineteen. Yeah, that's crazy. Actually, it's the highest grossing animated film Disney or Pixar that they have put out as a company since twenty nineteen. That's crazy. Yeah. There's no reason Elemental should be in the conversation as a. It's a success, if anything. Yeah. It's the first one to make them more money. I don't. It's ridiculous. Sorry. It's not a billion. It's a. It's a loss. Your marketing sucked. Tax <laughs> That's why. Your, your marketing sucks. The money's going somewhere else that it shouldn't go. I swear, it's a money laundering scheme now. If nothing else, if nothing else, Elemental stands out there as a proof of quality and word of mouth 
being important. Yeah. Like, you, if you put the quality there, people will talk about it, and the movie can have links. What, what, yeah. did, we, what did we just see with Top Gun Maverick? Yeah. Right. the legs that movie had. Yeah. That, that's still possible. It is still possible to have long theatrical runs where you just keep making money. Yeah. Everybody thought Elemental was going to be gone within like three weeks. And Elemental is still making money hand over fist. Like it might not be the top grosser on any weekend necessarily, but it's still coming in like in the top five. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's weeks since it came out. Like obviously the word of mouth got around that that was worth going to. Yeah. So I don't, I don't get it. All right. Anyway, so that's that's everything on I've, I've got on Iger. If you guys want to bring up no, anything else. That, I, we covered him. No, he's just he's a, again. I I don't stand any billionaires, but he was the one who had who seemed to have the most business sense about this kind of stuff. And then it's like, no, not really. He's just he's he's just as bad as everyone else, unfortunately. That's he's he's usually started. he's usually ended up on the right side of history, and I think here he ended up on the wrong side of it. And I think we will look back when like. You know, we're years down the road and Iger's no longer involved with the company or anything. And we'll talk about, like, where is it that he screwed up? And this is going to be the moment that we're going to talk about. We're going to say, this is where this is where he messed up. This is his Eisner releasing California Adventure. This is his uh, slip-up, is how he handled the strikes. Mm -hmm. um, I saw the mask slipping off when he, uh, when, he put, when he removed the stuff from Disney+. Plus. I was like, oh. Yep. Okay, like that, huh? Yeah. The Zaslav Domino. That shit on ABC. Anyway, so, uh, but we're not done with Disney. Mm. Uh, because they've announced a new video game. Oh, sorry, real quick. I did want to highlight just about the strikes out there because there's a lot of uh, conversation about it um, on, on all kinds of ends. But um, uh, if you're supporting of the strikes, um, please, like, support the fund or just, like, vocalize your support. Um, get it out there on whatever social medias and all that kind of stuff. But don't cancel your streaming services. Yes, um, don't do that. Writers and actors have emphasized that that can actually hurt them right now in negotiations if you try and like the, the boycotts are not effective um and it's not it's not going to get the results that are going to help them it's it's just it's going to show that there's no interest in in having them make anything and and you still want to go support the things that they have worked on that are coming out so don't cancel your if you've got to cancel your streaming services for some reason like that's fine or whatever uh, but don't do it in a boycott there that's not a way to support what's going on right now true um, so most likely in an effort to get news away from the strike, uh, much like that Percy Jackson poster. Um, oh boy. <laughs> what a poster, right? That was so sad. Uh, wow. A flag, a, fl a flag and a helmet. Uh, shout outs, shout outs to Rick Riordan taking the opportunity where he, um, just shared some blurbs about like making the show and translating it from, he did this on threads, but, um, mm -hmm. uh, he just, he took the opportunity with the poster coming out. He's like, I'm going to just tell you guys about like adapting the show and, and what that's been like and what I valued in making it and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, cool for you, Ryden, for like making this a, a moment to like, hey, if everybody's looking at the show, I want to tell you guys why the show's cool. Like, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, but Marvel and Cliffhanger Games, which is a subsidiary of EA, um, is developing a third-person, single-player Black Panther game. This will join the Wolverine, Iron Man, and Captain America slash Black Panther video game that are currently in development. Yes. Hey, if you want to hear us talk about superhero comic book video games, I have an entire section in the basement arcade quarterly that we spent 20 minutes talking about this. That's completely uh, true. There's literally no information. This game just got announced. We won't see it for probably five to six years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was just to highlight that they did this to be like, hey, what strike? Um, yeah. Didn't you... God, help me. Yeah. Um, didn't you mention that this is like... Uh, uh, studio coming out of, skydance it, it's coming out of um oh, oh this Wonder is Woman? the monolith one yeah, yeah 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 so uh kevin stevens who worked on 
uh, who worked at Monolith and founded Monolith, who worked on the Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War games, left that studio to create a new studio, Cliffhanger Games, which is working on this game. Monolith is working on a Wonder Woman game right now. So there are two badass Monolith-inspired open-world games coming out in the next couple, four to five years probably, uh, that are probably going to be dope. Uh, a lot of a lot of really great comic book games. Again, check out Quarterly just, if you want to have the entire list. Just to give you an idea, because I know Brandon's played the, the Shadow game, um for Lord of the Rings, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like part of that is the inspiration team going into Black Panther. So a reason to be excited about this. Oh yeah. I mean, Hey, that's cool. Uh, I guess Wolverine will be out in four years. So no, we'll Wolverine. That starts coming. Nah, you need to watch that basement arcade quarterly discussion. Wolverine will probably be out next year. Uh, I think so. Okay. We, we, we uh, posit that, um, Wolverine is probably going to be a smaller, smaller scale miles closer morales. to miles morales like a, t a tend to not as grand scale because it doesn't need to be as like traverse the city kind of style as spider-man um so they released a, much, more, much more ratchet and clank they released ratchet and clank and miles morales less than a year apart that's gonna be the same thing for spider-man wolverine cool i'm excited for i want really, to I, I I play it so hell yeah, yeah hell yeah I mean, like, I'm um, honestly, truthfully, I, we know nothing about the Iron Man game, but like the Black Panther Captain America game is the one I'm actually really excited about. Oh, I'm about. so jazzed about that as a concept. Like, really, really yeah. looking forward to it. Um, that's the one I'm waiting for. Hell yeah. Uh, all right, comic books. We uh, like them. It's true. This is actually a this is actually a book book. I snuck in a book. <gasps> How dare you? I mean, I've read books before. Um, Jordan Peele is coming out with a book called Out There Screaming. Oh yeah, an yeah, yeah. Anthology. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so an anthology of new black horror. This is actually going to be edited by Jordan Peele and will feature a bunch of writers. I've got a list if you guys want me to read the list, but it's a lot of names. So um, you don't, you don't yeah. have to. No, we're okay. Um, so here's the here's the here's the synopsis real quickly. A cop begins seeing huge. I hope you can't hear that. Um, a cop begins seeing huge blinking eyes, uh, where the headlights of cars should be that tell him who to pull over. Two freedom. Freedom Riders take a bus ride that leaves them stranded on a lonely road in Alabama where several unsettling somethings await them. A young girl dives into the depths of the earth in search of the demon that killed her parents. These are just a few of the worlds of Out There Screaming, Jordan Peele's anthology of all new horror stories by black writers. He helped produce that Twilight Zone TV show and he's like, I'm not done. Uh, this sounds really cool. Yeah, uh, this is this is just yeah, awesome. Um, particularly in the horror sphere, um, there's not a lot of renown for black authors with strong, driven, you know, uh, their voice in horror books. Mm -hmm. That's just not championed very much. Um, so the fact that this is not only being made, but like can be a launching ground for um finding audiences for a lot of these writers and then getting yeah. more work uh is really great because like horror horror novelism is very much dominated by white men and um, when i the only and, and, and it's cool to see the uh, this opportunity for everyone to break through yeah. um if nothing else i i always appreciate that jordan peele will kind of uh not that he's like shamelessly using his name, but he uses the opportunity of the of what he's gained to raise Probably. up other voices and get more people in places where they want to be. It's a good producer. Um, he holds he holds open that elevator door for a lot of people. Absolutely, which is really great. Yeah. You were gonna say something. I think I kind of stepped on. <sighs> I sure was. 
<laughs> it wasn't important. I'm sure it wasn't important. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you added this. I, I'm super excited because it is something where, like, there is a, a, a just a dearth of... Not that there are no black authors writing horror, but... Um, boy, is it hard to find people talking about them or, or find their work, uh, like, shared yeah. uh, very commonly. So to, to get a spotlight on a lot of it is awesome. Oh, um, one of the most prominent, uh, uh, Lovecraft Country is a book about black characters dealing with horror, but it's written by a white person. Right. So, like, that book is incredibly famous, and if you didn't know any better, you might not think it was written by a white dude, but no, it's a white dude. So, like, I definitely... Us yeah. discovering that on, on our fake nerds watch show where we're yeah. like oh weird yeah yeah right. um uh, that's out october 3rd so stay t- so check that Ooh. out when it's out halloween to the to the credit of uh the author of lovecraft country like you know uh awesome for them to be like uh please take my book and and authenticate it 100 percent. oh it, yeah absolutely. make it your own thing because obviously i can't no yeah i respect the hell of it i just want to bring up like no yeah yeah it's it's so true because so that true. is a real i think that's a really well done thing and like you you like you don't think a, black, a white person would be right there's like, so yeah. much there's so much in film of um how uh uh black voices have translated into horror and and in in various ways it's it's all over the place in in a lot of spaces but books is so far so much less common to be seen yeah um so it's great absolutely um all right universal monsters colon dracula uh is going to launch a new partnership with skybound and universal studios a new imprint called universal monsters Mm -hmm. Uh, this is going to be an adaptation of the 1931 film Mm. It's written by James Tynan IV, mm. art by Martin Sim- Simmons, which hmm. immediately has me go like, oh? There's some art already out for it. It looks incredible. So, uh, so I'm stupid, super excited for this. So it's an adaptation of the film directly? I think it's it's That's loosely... It, it's... Or is it like... Using, they're using the dude, the, 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 what's the actor? Abel Lugosi. Using his likeness. I think what they're doing... They are adapting the movie with more stuff from the book, using the aesthetic, oh, okay, aesthetics okay. of the of the movie. Sure. So it's Bela Lugosi, but you're getting more stuff from the book and stuff. Sure. That's sure. not in the movie. Okay. That's what I would assume because James Tynan doing this has me really interested. Like, he's not a guy who does uh, adaptations. Um, not that I say that there are bad adaptations, but like, you know, there's not really a lot of work that needs to go into. Them. Oh Someone no. Like him. Yeah, I will tell you. I will tell you bad adaptations. Marvel. Is putting out they put out the Mandalorian and like in like the Rise yeah. of Skywalker and that's literally just one to one the movies in the comic form and like that's where you introduce new ideas and new story elements that you didn't get to see in the movies right. and like no like those novelizations. are just yeah like novelizations but like the Mandalorian like issue one I read on on Marvel Unlimited that literally is just episode one of the Mandalorian and For I'm like sure. that was a waste of my effing time it looks yeah. great so I hope it's it's more of like what we want it to be yeah I feel like him being part of this and this being kind of like a Point to, to an imprint to sky to skybound i i think has got me super interested like this there's got to be something more here than just that film yeah and i love uh uh the artist's work so like i'm uh seeing like a bella lugosi in comic form seems just like a cool idea i'm into it there's actually a really great graphic novel out there that's about it's about bella lugosi it's like a uh bio uh biography on him um uh that is graphic novel oh, hell like, yeah. obviously it spotlights a lot of dracula but it spotlights a lot of the other stuff too um uh, I have it somewhere. I'm into um, it because it's one I I want to do for a book club at some point. But um, uh, Megan got it for me uh, two years ago. I think. Lon Chaney, the man of a thousand faces. Uh, All that to say, me? Bella Lugosi's face translates very well to graphic novels. Yeah, it looks really cool. Sure. 
Um, beneath trees where nobody sees mm-hmm. is a comic book coming from writer and artist Patrick Horvath, which did, uh, I believe, Images Ha Ha, H-A-H-A, kind of this whimsical horror. Mm-hmm. Um, to be part of IDW's new creator initiative um, because they lost the Hasbro license. They really have nothing much. So they're going to launch a new initiative to try to get some more creator-owned comics out there. Makes That's sense. Cool. The first one. Um, this is a so this is. Just read this. This is interesting. I like this one. In the tranquil and welcoming little town of Woodbrook, humanoid animals happily live in harmony. This cute community isn't quite as calming as it seems, though. On the surface, Samantha is the friendly face who owns and manages the hardware store. Beneath the surface lies something more terrifying. She visits the nearby city to let her violent urges loose and buries her victims in the woods. But what happens when the killing comes back to her harmonious hometown and Samantha isn't the only one unleashing her inner animal? Ooh, bad things come to her town and she's also bad. So her, so the images that are out, because there's a preview of this, has Samantha, who's a teddy bear, um... Lure, lure a duck handyman out to the woods and chloroform it by mm. like putting the thing over beak which i thought was very funny uh and then like cuts its cuts its neck and lets it bleed out in the in the woods oh it's, it's actually blood and not like foam or like it's stuff. actually blood oh, okay, okay okay i'm into that uh, pretty cool honestly i'm into you know cute things that are actually murderous i'm into that sure i remember happy tree friends exactly yeah <laughs> Uh, Thunderbolts. Oh, man, this is this is cool and bad. I love it and hate it. So we talked about Colin Kelly and, Jets, and Jackson Lansing. They left their uh, Captain America run um, to do this. So and, Thunderbolts is the next step in that. And man, like the way they worded it, like like they have like the main the main tweet and then the tweet under it, it's like we're really sad that we couldn't do Captain America more. So we're just doing the Thunderbolts instead. And I'm like, okay, yeah. cool, that's fine. But Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing are going to be paired up with Gerardo Borges uh, on art. And uh, the, basically, it's the Winter Soldier is the lead in this, as allied with Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine mm-hmm. uh, to lead a new Thunderbolts uh, team. Mm. This new team includes Black Widow, Sharon Carter, White Widow, Red Guardian, U.S. Agent, and Shang-Chi. We love MCU Synergy. That was Black Widow, White Widow. Wait, yeah. need both, right? Um, every issue, at least two characters from this lineup join Bucky and the Contessa for one operation. Uh, this will be the part of the four-part arc, World Strike. This is the first arc, and this is also a mini-series because if it doesn't sell, there will be no arc two. So they're just not telling you it's a miniseries or an ongoing, just in case it sells well. Uh, yeah, so. uh, and again, like the uh, the writers being like, "Hey guys, we love to do more stories, but you need to buy the book." They literally said like, "You have to buy this book, or this is only going to be a four issue miniseries." And that's unfortunately like the reality of most, like Brandon said, like most books these days. Um, For sure. I I oh, just do you have any more of the plot, or or is that it? That's it. Okay, so the actual plot is they're going to try to kill the Red School once and for all. They're tired of the Red School being a Nazi, living in a world. They're like, yo, we're just going to take him out once and for all. We're tired of him living. Nazis suck. So that, that idea is great. I'm fine with that idea. Um, these writers are incredible. I loved their... I didn't read all of it, uh, even though it's short. I didn't. Re- but their Captain America runs great. Their Guardians run so far has been really fun. I've only read the first issue because of its Marvel Unlimited, uh, three months behind. Um, I'm totally down with them writing a Thunderbolts book. This is, besides Shang-Chi, this is the entire cast from the movie. 
right. the entire cast. White Widow's Yolanda uh, Belova. Um, this is just this is just that, uh, and nobody's gonna buy this book because I'm the only person uh, out of us four, not including Ben, who has bought a Thunderbolt book probably in the last ten years, to be honest. Uh, that's not an indictment of you guys. Nobody reads the Thunderbolts anymore because they're not the team they used to be. They used to be dope, and now they're just a Suicide Squad. Um, I'm, I'm sure that's this, so. That's so fair. Yeah, this book is probably gonna be really fun. It's going to last four issues, and then we're never going to talk about it again, just like the last three Thunderbolts series that have been canceled before issue 12 in the past four years. Um, I, I, I will I will say, like, uh, just, you know, I know they're going for the MCU synergy, but it does feel like like the writers and all that, but uh, there's not a there's not a commitment, it feels like, to a thrust of a story that's, that's saying, like, you really should pick this up. It doesn't it doesn't feel like it has that weight yeah. to it to try and pull in readers. The the, um, yeah, the hook the hook isn't like isn't good enough for me. Like, yeah, we've tried to kill the Red Skull a bunch. These are all none all these are like relatively the same type of character. It's a problem I have with the MCU Thunderbolts. It's like they're all just super powered people, basically. Or or just spies. Um last time they killed they killed the Red Skull, he became the Red Onslaught and did Axis. Yeah, and that was like almost 10 years ago at this point and we don't want it we don't oh. we don't need that again it was like 2015 yeah um oh. i i i'm sure this book will be a great four issue miniseries but like this is just this is like the comic book synergy that i truly hate i'm like there's no reason that this thunderbolt team should exist when when i just wish you could turn to the thunderbolts of, of ye old like when villains tr villains like secretly trying to be heroes like it does it does feel like it too much hand on uh on the wheel um from above where I don't believe this is the team the writers would want to take to the story. And if I felt like it was the team they wanted to take to the story and I felt like they had control of, like, we're doing something here yeah. with these characters. We have a reason we want to navigate this specifically. Not to say that they won't do a good job with yeah. writing it, but I feel like if I felt more like we're, we've handpicked every character in this because we have a, a vision, I would be more intrigued. So they did say there is... there. Uh, so yes and no to that because uh, they weren't allowed to continue Captain America. Right. And they did say in their long Twitter posts of like, hey, we wanted to continue Captain America and we couldn't. So they allowed us to take the characters from Captain America and put it into the Thunderbolts book. So partially it is them still using Sharon Carter, Bucky, uh, the, uh, those characters. Right. But it is also, hey, you also need to include the Black Widow and the Red Guardian and Shang-Chi for some reason. Right. Why is Shang-Chi in this book? He's not a bad guy whatsoever. <laughs> Whatever. Shang-Chi has... I don't know this for sure, but I know that they they their excuse is that I guess Shang Chi has been part of a Thunderbolts team in the past. Okay, sure. I don't know what that is. I didn't really look into it. I can't. If he has, it's probably one of like the newer ones that was canceled again, and that's just like, hey, we need we need bad guys to to be our good guys, like the Suicide Squad. But Shang Chi, you guys saw the movie. He's a good guy. <laughs> so I don't get that one. Maybe it's a story I missed. Who knows? Uh, all right. Certainly nothing. I don't want to do a bit. Miss Marvel, the New Mutant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the last thing we'll talk about in the comics. Miss Marvel, the New Mutant, written by Saber, uh, Perzada, wrote uh, Dark Web, Miss Marvel. Yeah, it's good. It's good. And Iman Vellani, who plays Miss Marvel. Yeah. Um, are going to be writing this book together with art by Carlos Gomez, Ooh, who did Rogue and Gambit. So good. And Adam Gorham, who did Star Wars Darth Vader. Inc. Two sensational artists. This is going to be a four-issue miniseries. Um, uh, basically, after being brought back, as we knew was going to happen, yep. uh, via, via Krakoa via, via Krakoan resurrection technology, 
Mala is shocked to learn she is a mutant. Before she has a chance to come to terms with the re- revelation, the, cata- the catastrophic fall of X will throw her world into chaos and a secret mission on behalf of the X-Men. So she's a mutant now. She's also also still inhuman. Yeah, so Iman says, I want to make it very clear that we are not retconning her inhuman origin, only now there's a whole new label Kamala has to learn to accept. Yeah. And importantly, the cover showcases she still has her original powers. Yes. I really appreciated that. Yeah. So so I don't hate this at all. Everything leading up to it I hate. Yeah. But the, but if I'm just looking at this, this is a new Miss Marvel book written by the actor playing the character, also by Sabir, who's a really talented artist. Incredible art. I have no reason to hate this book. Again, I don't. W- I wish it didn't exist, but, like, in the terms of how we got here. But I have no problem with this book existing uh, the way it is. I want to spotlight that I'm really... I'm happy for Iman Vellani getting to write it, but I'm really glad that it's a co-writing process and that she's not being thrown... This is, this is mostly for her benefit yes. than anything. I'm glad she's not being thrown to the wolves... Uh, on her own. Yeah. Um, because she's never written a comic before that we've read. You know, like, uh, regardless of what she's written in, in her own uh, uh, time, we haven't been given that before. So I'm glad that she's kind of being guided. assisted and guided and mentored through the process. Um, because I feel like it would be a lot steeper of a judgment on her you know, this, if she were by herself. This kind of reminds me of when Paul Dano wrote that Riddler one shot. And people apparently loved it. Like, apparently it's awesome. So, like, I have no problem with actors being involved with their characters. The 4 action miniseries, real quickly. But, yes, there's actually a lot of this happening over at DC specifically. Danny DeVito! Wrote a Penguin one. Um, uh, Nicole Maines, Dreamer. Um, Michael Dorn, writing Steelworks. That's right! That's right! This is I, happening a lot. No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that the opportunity exists for, for them. Um, I, I think it's, it's also coming from a place of, like, Iman being so young. Uh, I don't I, it would just suck to have her like completely trashed and oh, get, on her own. Oh, like yeah, Twitter I mean. like, would tear her apart. Like, yeah, because like, they're after I don't yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad that like you know, they're giving her the opportunity to have someone stand by her side through this process. Yeah. Um I, I'm really I'm really grateful for that. I I agree with like one of the big things was like the fear of the changing of the powers and like from the cover that appears to not be the case. And her outfit looks great. It's a great outfit. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Hate it. I hate it. That's fair. Um, someone, someone did a really great mock-up of it, though, because like it's just it's just an X-Men outfit with the small little like how I have Thanos's head here. It's like a small little uh, little uh, lightning. Mm-hmm. Someone made a mock-up where the lightning is bigger. Yeah. I prefer that. I don't like that. This is the secondary icon because I, that's who she is. I I will I will agree with that. I just think I'm glad they. It still feels like a Kamala Khan outfit, while still while also being an X Men outfit. I do agree with the 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 the, the lightning bolt should be should be. That better. was generally like my big problem with it too, Brandon. Yeah. Just so, so you know, like I I also felt like that's a part of her her identity and like having that minimized uh, it, I, is the only part of the costume I didn't like. Um, no. But but trying to be optimistic and and again, like Ryan has said, we all hate how we got here. Um, the exact minutia of how we ended up here sucks. But the X-Men line has been overall very strong. Having Kamala in those stories now um, will hopefully give the character more opportunity and storyline and possibilities uh, than she's been given in the past, like, five to six years. Because, yes, because, uh, if like, I know we know this, but if you don't know this, like, Kamala Khan was originally going to be a mutant. And then because of all the Fox nonsense, uh, she had to become an Inhuman with the big Inhumans push. So, like, 
I like the Inhumans. Fine. A lot of people like the Inhumans. Fine. Most people don't give a shit about the Inhumans. This is a better. This is a better move for Kamala. Not her central core cast of her family and her friends like Bruno, but the bigger world. She doesn't need to be hanging out with Black Bolt. What does she have in common with Black Bolt as opposed to Kitty Pride, who's like a young a young person who can relate to things like that? Like it makes she more... hasn't. She hasn't hung out with Black Bolt in a while. She mostly she's associated mostly with the champions now, right? Yeah, which yeah. I really which like. are Avengers. Like, but the yeah. champion stuff is cool. Like, yeah. and I'm glad that she had that opportunity. But this does leave like I do think that there is now a path to a stronger uh, interest and resurgence into Miss Marvel having her own standalone story and being feared for who she is um, can now work doubly be her being a mutant or like stuff. or like standalone connected to the X Men. I should yeah. say. So here's, so real quick, I just want to read this last bit, which is, um, fans will finally start to learn the truth about Kamala's mutant and inhuman identity in the upcoming X-Men Hellfire Gala number one, which will, be a lot, which will be later this month. Hell yeah. So my thing here, I don't, I, I don't hate it. I really don't. I'm glad to have Kamala back and Iman writing it. It's very interesting. Do you fear her getting lost in the X-Men line? And I fear her not having an ongoing title again because this is only a four issue miniseries. Yeah. Yes, that's that's fine for Amon to write, but like I would, I would rather them have announced it as an ongoing. I, my fear, um, my fear what is what I want to see from her again. Yeah, my fear is what they did with Shang Chi for like for years. They gave him multiple miniseries before he just got an ongoing, which he now has. Yeah. He had two, four, or five issue miniseries before they just gave him an ongoing. Um, and I don't know why. I think it's just because stupid sales shit. But like. I think this is just, hey, this is the series that is reintroducing her. I think she will get a, a number one relaunch sometime later. But I agree. It should just be now. I, I, I will say that I think the purpose of the four issue thing is the X-Men titles are selling so well. And if you are an X-Men person who has not been reading Miss Marvel, they want you to get your taste yes. to see if you want to engage with Miss Marvel and not feel like there's pressure to pick up another ongoing right now. But just, hey, here's a four issue. Want to get on board? And then... Uh, like I said, I just think she's in a better position because of this and where we are right now to have an ongoing than she was before because they clearly didn't give a shit before. It's, it, her being tied to the X-Men gives her a better chance of having an ongoing, to be honest. Well, I, I hope so. And I'm, I, I, it, it is just a fear that she gets lost in the line. No, I hear you. part of an obscure team that we never see for many issues. Oh, I, yeah. I, I'm sure that's not the case because of how popular she is and the background flack that they got for killing her. Yeah. That is a fear that I have with Oprah. No, I feel you. I feel you. I, I, what I, again, this is the absolute worst way you could have done this, but I think what they were trying to do is position her to be even bigger than she was before because she was an inhuman. With her being yeah. a mutant, she really can be like a number one character. And I think it just, they went about it the wrong way, but her being an X-Men character will give her the, the leverage that she, that she deserves and allow her to operate in the bigger space as well, I think. And I can't stress enough that I'm glad they're not changing her powers. Yeah, that's, that's honestly, that once I found thing. that out, I was like, I... Again, getting here is shitty. Like, I, I'm really excited to try this miniseries. I, I want to see if, if, if Amon's got it as a writer. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Um, she clearly has a passion for that character. Like uh, her um, under-the-head photo that she took at a comic book store holding the, the death of Ha-ha, Miss Marvel. I'm, I'm dead. That's, oh, what's really funny is, Brandon, um, you might have saw this, but people are listening. Um, there's a QR code in the back of that Fallen Friend one-shot, and when you take a picture of it, it brings you to Marvel.com, but it wasn't ready yet, so it said, soon, but not yet. It was just a black, like, gravestone thing of, like, you went to a thing, but it's still not ready yet, so you went. To, it was a QR code to nothing. And I'm like, wow, great marketing, y'all. Great marketing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Borderlands. Oh, speaking of great news. 
There was a report that came out of, of a while ago that uh, the the movie is being written by Eli Roth and someone named Joe Crombie, which was assumed to be a, a pseudonym, a fake name for Craig Mazin. Yeah. Um, apparently it is a name that, ha- that he has been associated with before. But not on the superhero movies or the scary movie for to show you the quality of Borderlands, I'm just saying. Right. So Borderlands... So Craig Mazin... But we haven't heard about Borderlands in a long time. Yeah, it's right. been a while since they went through reshoots. Yeah. So Craig Mason has, uh, he says, I am not a credited writer on the film, so I cannot claim any kind of authorship of Borderlands, much less co-writing. Um, he is, so he's basically saying, I'm not, that's not me. I don't, I don't write under a pseudonym. This dude, this movie is in such bad shape. I cannot believe. I can't, this is this is awful. Yeah, it this seemed like crazy. it seemed like it was going like hot and strong for a long time, and now it might be a dud. So like they did their initial shoot, and then whatever they ended up with was was on was on was, was awful. Just un just terrible, terrible shit. So they were gonna do reshoots, and then with the pandemic and just like Eli Roth coming on board and Tim Miller doing reshoots and all this stuff. Now the strikes. Now the strikes. Like, if this movie comes out, I will be surprised. Honestly, like, like not many movies get to this point where production hell is so bad it won't even come out. This movie was supposed to come out, like, a year ago. <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's... Uh. And it's got Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Hart and Kate Blanchett and Jack Black as the leads. How bad is this movie? That's what I'm so confused about. It's like, Indiana Jones in space, guys. What is going on? <laughs> After we heard about the reshoots happening, we stopped hearing about this movie. Yeah. It's just put it under lock and key. They're like, we're not talking about this. It doesn't exist. Don't worry about this it. This is going to be like a straight to streaming, like something yeah. for sure. Like this is, this is really bums me out. Cause like I was, this is a really cool idea. It is, it is like, it is Indiana Jones, but like in space, like you're, you're after a space vault. Right. It's really cool. Sure. Yeah. Um, oh, well. Yeah. Rip. Ron Aries um, has cast Sarah Desjardins and Cameron Monaghan. Oh, I forgot to look up where Sarah was from. Um, some maybe some credits that we. So yeah, they've been cast in the new Tron film, Tron Three. So with Jared Leto and what I talked about last time. Oh my God, it's Callie from Yellow Jackets. Nice. Uh, uh, one of the great characters from Yellow Jackets is in Tron Legacy. Nope, Tron Aries. Tron Aries. She would have been a baby. Uh, Woo! That's cool. Um, yeah, it's a it's a strong outside of Jared Leto. It's a strong cast. I'm just like I don't know, man. If you're not following Tron Legacy, should I care? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and then a new casting announcement happened for Superman Legacy. Yeah, it did. Isabella Merced mm-hmm. from Dora the Lost City of Gold and will star- will soon star in Madam Web and Alien uh, F- Alien Romulus next year. The Wild. movie, Fetty Alvarez's movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's cast as Hawk Girl. Ah! Uh, that's exciting, honestly. Um, Eddie Garth- Garthega has been cast as Mr. Terrific. You'll remember him from Twilight. Actually, you'll remember him as Darwin, the X-Men character who can't die. He and he died in X-Men First Class. That too. That's where he's really not from. <laughs> uh, did he do them? Did he do the movie, the show? Not them. From? Whatever horror movie with one word that doesn't make any sense. It's not It's not From, because I watched two episodes of From. It's not him. Okay, it's not From. Um, okay, anyway, so Nathan Fillion has been cast as Guy Gardner. Yeah, all right. Lantern. He will have the bowl cut. Yeah. I'd be well, the right only hair. person who, who's fine with it. I don't mind. 
this is the one where this is the only one that I don't really care for. I don't mind Nathan Fillion as a Green Lantern, honestly, because he's been Hal Jordan in voices for a while. And he's been fan cast as Hal Jordan for decades. Um, So, like, if you wanted to do him as a Green Lantern, if you're going to do an older Green Lantern who's paired up with Mr. Terrific and Hot Girl, the JSA members, I'm just saying, could have been Alan Scott. That could have been cool. Um, And you have this, and you have him kind of be who is the hot mouth, the the, the loud mouth, kind of brash, kind of cocky um, guy gardener. And Fillion himself, who is in his 50s, being this character, kind of makes me believe that we're probably not going to get a lot of this character in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here... So that kind of sucks. Because we're also doing the Green Lantern show, which will be Hal and John. Yeah, so right. why isn't it Hal? Or why, isn't it, why isn't he Hal? Um, I think because... Because I think Hal's going to be younger. Yes. Yeah, definitely that. Um, because... Why is Guy the old one? That's just so weird. Because this is the new universe, and it's, it's you know... Um... I, being I, he 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 could not be Hal because that's just like the generic like hey of course it'll be Hal that's easy we're not and that's that's he needs we need somebody bigger to be Hal who is our main Green Lantern Guy Gardner despite being some people's favorite is not a lot of people's favorite Green Lanterns some people don't like that character at all because he's he is he is a hothead and he's a jerk a lot of times I think Nathan Fillion is a perfect choice for a character that we won't see a lot of, but he is a shitty, a shitty guy who gets punched by Batman every once in a while. I think he's perfect for that. I don't, I, this is very much like friendship nepotism and I don't mind it. Like this is the highest profile thing Nathan Fillion has ever done. And like that dude is in his fifties and he's never had a starring role in a huge movie like that. Like, I think it is cool that he finally gets to be a big Green Lantern, even if he's still not the big Green Lantern. Um, it is, uh, I want to, uh, I'm totally happy seeing him with a bowl cut, and he'll appear a little bit. Um, do I is he my first choice? No, but like I specifically Guardians of the Galaxy three, like the asshole shitty security guard he played. I'm like, oh yeah, Guy Gardner, sure. That's but that's not Guy Gardner though. Sure, because like Guy Gardner is a loudmouth, and Fillion is snarky and can he be. He can be a loudmouth. I Nathan Drake. I think so. <laughs> Nathan he's... Drake isn't. He's not Nathan Drake. He did that one thing where he's he's not even a loudmouth in that. Sure. Nathan Drake is quipping nonstop. I but Guy Gardner's not a quipper. Okay. Like I I love I love Guy. I love all the Green Lanterns. Like um he that Nathan Fillion. There are actors. The guy who would be perfect. This is only something that uh, people with intimate knowledge of Gurnlogan would get. But like the guy who played the blonde in the kind of banana shaped, Aaron, um Oh yeah yeah. yeah. Uh huh. He's Guy. Sure. That's Guy Gardner. Yeah. Uh, where you're where you're loud and you're abrasive and you're in your face and you're in your mean funny. Um, he's not he's not snarky and quiet funny and that's really all I've ever seen Nathan Fillion do. I would recommend he's a funny guy. That's true. I would recommend watching Jaden's Gun Slither where he is very much a cop who is like that. Sure. I haven't seen Slither. That's fair. I just think this is I think it's personally great and Guy Gardner. He's not going to be in this universe a lot, I don't think. I think this is a introduction to the Green Lantern Corps. What the Superman Legacy movie is, it's an introduction to the entire DCU in different capacities and smaller ways. So, like, I'd rather it be this than, like, than Hal. Because, like, I don't want Hal Jordan in my Superman movie. I want a lesser-scale Green Lantern to, to introduce stuff. But that's, that's me. You know. we got so many more castings to talk about. Brox, you were going to say something? I don't have very strong feelings about Guy Gardner. Uh, I, I think that, in general, just... Uh, I'm I'm... I would rather that Nathan Fillion's not Hal. I'll say that. Yes, hundred percent. 
I think my idea of him being uh, Alan Scott is brilliant, personally. I... Older Green Lantern, you've already got two members of the JSA in your movie. We just I'm had not, the JSA. I'm not going to say that, like, you know, straight actors can't play queer characters. Because that's not, you know, like, we, sh- we should never know. That's right. We should Alan's never know. Well, I was going to say, like, we should never know. You have to know someone's sexuality in order for them to play a role. That's not how it should go. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I would kind of prefer that it wasn't someone who is Nathan Fillion. Um, and so clearly who Nathan Fillion is playing Alan Scott. I also see from Alan Scott like more of like a gentleman. And I don't really get that from Nathan Fillion. Fair. Mm. Um, Here, uh, what, I will, what I will say is I agree with your point that the Green Lantern maybe should be Alan Scott. I agree with that point. Sure. I just don't, I also don't think that should be Nathan Fillion. Yeah. That's, uh-huh. that's my other end of that. Eric Jacobia is Alan Scott. We did it. <sighs> James Gunn did say in an interview that Nathan Fillion's casting was mostly an excuse to force his good friend to get a stupid looking haircut. I'm excited for it. I love, he, he loves to make his friends look dumb. I love it. Um, Anthony Kerrigan, finally on, on this one, Anthony Kerrigan has been cast as uh, Metamorpho. This is dope. Uh, I love this. Victor Zaz in Gotham. Yes. He's a great Victor Zaz. He honestly. is also an Emmy-nominated uh, actor as NoHo Hank in Barry for the last five years. Yes. Yeah, I wanted to bring up the the Zaz one because it's the um, the DC, DC connection. connection. Sure. Um, and he's and it is great as Zaz. He's got such a cool face for that character. Um, but yeah, um, Barry where he won an Emmy. Yeah. Good. I like him. I'm glad that this casting. Uh, half the world in. Uh, I love Twitter. I love being on Twitter. And people are like, who the hell is this character? And I'm like, that's how I know James Gunn's about to make a good movie. He's not just picking, oh, we're just going to get the Trinity. Let's just get sure. the Trinity in our Superman movie. I'm like, no, right. bro. You're going to, like, with all of these different castings, with Hawkman, Mr. Terrific, Metamorpho, Guy Gardner, we are going to touch every aspect of the DC universe in this movie in some small capacity, whether it's space, technology, uh, dark side shit, don't, don't uh, uh, Argus, time. the Outsiders. The the authority the authority is supposed yeah. to be established already yeah. so this is i i'm so excited for this movie and i understand people are skeptical because oh i just wanted a superman movie and i i 100 understand and get that james kind gunn of, i'm not totally there but i'm yeah. kind of there no and i i feel that james gunn has never made a movie that follows one person his entire career he is a person who works in ensembles uh and you can still have a main character in an ensemble not so much the Guardians movies, but every other movie he has a lead with an ensemble cast that's around them. So having it be Superman, this new bright character show up in this world with pre-established characters, a lot of them darker, more mature, it feels like it feels like the opposite of a doomsday clock. It's, it feels like Rebirth. We're getting Rebirth of the movie, essentially. And I'm really, 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 really excited about that. Because Superman's going to come into a world where the Outsiders might already exist with Metamorpho, the JSA might already exist with Hawkgirl, the Authority definitely already exists with them killing fools, and Superman's like... I just want to save people and have a good time. And, like, I'm so excited for that. I think that's an incredible idea. It's the anti-Snyder approach, and I'm, I'm really ex- Jones for it. I don't want to say that I'm not excited for James Gunn's yeah. Superman legacy. I love every James Gunn movie. There's no reason for me to think that I won't love this one. On paper, when I see it, these other superhero members, and I get that they're not, like, big hitters here, um, but, like, the idea of him playing... James Gunn even said, like, James Gunn is talking about how he, he's going to... It's, he felt it was disingenuine to not represent the super the superhero side of Superman, like hit that superhero life plus his work life with Lois. And I'm like, kind of would have rather have you just done the because I think it's both. I think Superman balancing his superhero life and his work life doesn't need other superheroes to do. 
Sure. Like I said, there's really no reason for me to be against this. Like, I like every James Gunn movie. So yeah. I have no reason to believe I wouldn't the like thing, this one. Because I, I want you to get in here, Sparks. Sure. The thing that I'm that I'm thinking of is, remember the first episode of My Adventures with Superman? Remember that, but there's just a couple more superheroes involved. And that's what I'm imagining this movie is. It is Superman coming into this world in a pre-established world and him having to navigate it. And like, yeah, I guess there is a world where I would rather just have, this is the Superman movie. But also, you like, brought up my adventures of Superman. Like, yeah, I like that a lot. Absolutely. Like, but I wanted. I, I kind of. I got that, so I really shouldn't want that again. But sure. that's kind of where I was hoping. I also. I also. I don't want. I don't want to do the MCU where we have to wait twelve years to have a universe built. I think it's a great idea to have an established universe that we can build around. And I and I this feels like a really a really good way to do it. Uh, I think it's very like. Um... We're so we're so naturally inclined to the idea that Superman's the first superhero, yeah, and that that's how everything is. But like DC Comics and stuff has run long enough that we know that there were plenty of superheroes before Superman, um, and and like whether they were on Earth or not, like like all this kind of stuff was going on before Superman. Green Lantern, like, yeah. But no, but no film has approached it that way before, um, especially like obviously the most recent Man of Steel, uh, and so I find it a really interesting take to put Superman in a position where we are actively from the, the jump engaging with how does Superman find his place inside the world of superheroes and what what will make Superman special among them um, because they already exist rather than everybody just kind of looking to him because he was first. Absolutely, yes. Uh, and I think that's... It brings, out, it brings out this like outsider purview that James Gunn likes to play with in all of his movies. Yeah, and I think that that creates a... that. There's this idea inherently, I think, that you are challenging and makes Superman a little more complex for this iteration about Superman does everything he does in the other movies because he is either the only hero or he's the first hero. And he's he's the guy who's got to step up to the plate. But you can make an argument in the case of this one where other superheroes are present that Superman doesn't have to go to every emergency because yeah. other superheroes exist. And so it becomes a question of like, what how is superman superman amongst that kind of dichotomy and and where does he uh negotiate his his personal life and and being superman amongst that and i think that might be uh the take and and again like i think part of the trajectory of what gun would want to do with the character over the course of his dc universe that he's building mm. is how does superman become go from entering this world of superheroes to being the guy that everyone looks to as Superman, because now it's not just like everyone loving Superman because Superman up showed up first, but it'll be the world falling in love with Superman because of who he is. What's that animated movie? It's Superman and the Elite. I was gonna say the, the Superman and the Authority. Superman and the Elite. That's also what this is gonna be. Yeah. Is it's gonna be a world where maybe they don't hold their punches, and Superman's like maybe put a little more love behind those punches, and it's like the world becoming more like Superman, and as opposed to being more like again like the Snyder the Snyderverse. And I'm like that is such an awesome idea there's, of like there's very much an opportunity of like especially when you look at someone like Guy Gardner being on the table here, that there will be a situation where how, how Guy is going to handle it and Superman will come in and part of the reason why he'll succeed is not necessarily because Superman's the strongest, but because of Superman's compassion. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that might be what the set dressing of this allows. So I'm more or less for a different interpretation. I, I Like like you said uh, very accurately, Brandon, Like we have no reason to distrust this because James Gunn's been very good at what he does. Um mm -hmm. I, I think that there is more potential on the table here by taking a divergent path from what we're used to. Uh, and I trust that that can win out with something special. 
Um, I don't think that these other characters are going to subsume the fact that this is a story about him. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned, uh, Ryan, that uh, this is a, we guys talked about mostly, but this is a world where Superman has to come into a pre-established world. Technically, Man of Steel becomes that because it's retconned that almost every superhero had been around before him. Yeah. Um, so to have... It's kind of doing that, but better. You know, it was the appeal of the, of the DCEU when it was good was, oh, this is already a world full of superheroes that could just come in and out. Yeah. Um, it, that's what we always... That's kind of what we always liked about the DCEU. Um, so we're, we're... It's kind of nice that we're just keeping that going. I... Again, like, I don't want them to do just another MCU where we have to establish a character, a character, a character, a character, a character before we can do all this. Like, with James Gunn being as good as he is, you can you can create a universe in one movie and build from there. And with him being the head of DC, doing all this, writing the script, and he says it's, like, the best script he's ever written, and I believe him. He, is he James Gunn is not someone who lies on the internet for no reason, except when it's The Flash, James... Uh, I'm just, just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, but I believe the stuff that he works on, I believe I believe his words. So, like, just, like, man, it's, like, Metamorpho and Hawkgirl and Mr. Terrific are going to be in a movie. This is truly, like, the I... most DC movie. Like, I'm so excited. I am excited about that casting. But yeah. Way. Like, we talked a lot about really Philly, but like... I, I really... Sorry, Brandon, can I just... Uh, I really do like the casting of these other actors as these characters. I think that they're good casting choices for these characters. Um, and I'm intrigued to see how their performances will be. And I'll only spotlight that um, I'm excited about Hawkgirl, and it just made me remember how sad I am that we're probably never seeing Aldous Hodge as Hawkman again. Regardless of that movie, yeah. he was a great casting choice. He was, choice. yeah. Um, it, is, it is, this never means anything, but um, James James Gunn follows a bunch of DC people on on Instagram and threads and Twitter and stuff, and one of them was Batgirl herself. So, like, this could be a thing where, like, some of these things could could come back around sure uh because james gunn is the type of creator who like values that shit he said that he wants to he's going to keep a handful of heroes already when he's when he talked about blue beetle um elizabella merced being hot girl actually makes me very happy because i really like her i do too. um i think she's great as dora um that movie by the way absolutely rules i'm not i'm not just saying that no we've talked about rules. it isn't we've she about it before the but scrapper a... scrapper girl in um Pacific Rim 2? Pacific Rim 2. Transformers 5. They're similar characters. It's Transformers 5. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Well, it's a garbage movie. I put that out of my brain a lot faster. (laughs) Um, But she's great in Dora. You're right, because Dora's a very good movie. Hell yeah. I'm excited for the next... She's doing uh, Madam Web and and Alien Romulus. I'm excited excited about one of those. I'm actually more excited for Madam Web than I am Craven, And I haven't even seen a trailer for Madam Web. I mean, yeah, but yes... But I, we were comparing it to Alien, and I'm more excited for Alien. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Fede Alvarez's Alien is gonna be is hopefully gonna be really cool. I have All a right. lot of faith. That's 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 that. Trailers. trailers. Oh, trailers. Well, I guess it's trailers. time. Welcome to the trailer park. Um. All right, we're starting with Napoleon. Napoleon. Hey guys. You know what's cool? Revolutions. We're going through one right now in America. Oh boy. You know who sucks? Napoleon. <laughs> What I love a good historical biopic, guys. I like back in my teenage years, like they were honestly some of my favorite shit. Like you know, uh, like Alexander, Troy, all those, all those big movies. But like Napoleon, uh, what a fascinating. He's not short enough. I will say, I love a short king. 
Joaquin Phoenix is like six foot one. What are we doing here? Um, I think Ridley Scott, man, like he's just been killing it. Like, like even though I haven't seen the last couple of his movies, he's still killing it. The dude's eighty five years old, still putting out epic, giant ass like movies with real extras and like horses. And I'm like, yeah, man, this is this is a movie. This is like a real ass movie. Got Vanessa Kirby, who I Woo! always love to see. Yeah, um, Emma Frost. Yeah, I I really like. Uh, what's on the table here and say it's nice to see actually a historical epic on this scale again and um, you know I won't uh, you know it it looks like a movie um, which is really nice just like uh, there's a lot of dark (laughs) scenes as you can see and the lighting's very good yeah Um, yes it is it's very good it just looks it just looks really well crafted um, and I'm kind of into going and seeing like uh, this kind of scale of a film again Um, it's been a it's been a minute uh, since something like this has come out yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm really intrigued by it, um, and Joaquin Phoenix tends to deliver. So always. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think it's cool. Yeah, I'm not too crazy about historical epics these days, um, but I don't remember too much about Napoleon. So I'll check this one out. I haven't seen it really Scott in a while. More more than anything, I'm appealed to just a film on the scale. Like we're talking about like the the, the battlefields with the horses and everything. I'm like it's just it's been a while since Absolutely. I've yeah. seen a film put out on the scale before. uh napoleon was a genius tactician and like it is it is featured in the trailer but like one of his most famous battles is like the way he he uh he deceived people and go into russia and he like made a kill box and like froze a, bu- a bunch of people in the ice and like right. that like i remember that from history because like that's the dopest thing i've ever heard and, like to see it in like a huge scale and like it look real i'm like holy shit man war is crazy yeah uh like it looks it looks damn good and again joaquin phoenix like i I love I love a good shithead, and Napoleon was one of the biggest sure. and the smallest. <laughs> On this one, the biggest. Oh. This one, the biggest. Yeah, yeah. What's next? Oh no, it's um, not that. It, it is, is birth, 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 rebirth. Ooh, we love uh, a good Frankenstein story here. Where's Ben? Yeah, the, <laughs> uh, yeah. This is a uh, this is cool. I'm glad when Shutter takes uh, swings like this, and this is a uh, really small scale but really effective looking. Yes, film. very evocative. Oh yeah. Um, there's something about the 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 part where she's like, uh, the the young girl is like crawling back to like she's revived and she's crawling. And she's on the moaning. Floor and you're hearing the moaning, groaning. Uh... Um, so it's all about this mom, uh, wanting to find out what happened to her daughter and learning that someone is actually. Uh, conducting experiments to revive the dead a la Frankenstein style. Yeah, so her, her daughter died and then she finds this nurse that she had a previous exchange with and turns out the nurse is, has revitalized her dead daughter and Cor- she's like... Coroner, oh, I think. Coroner, there you yeah. go, thank you, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's got, I don't remember her name, but it's from Scrubs and I haven't seen her in, all, in anything the, in the a woman long who time. Carla, yeah. Yeah, Carla. Um, I think it just looks really spooky and yeah, it looks like, like small budget but like really, really good. Yeah, I'm actually really excited for this i love the vibes it's giving i love the frankenstein-ness of it all um you posted this on on twitter ryan this is how i found this trailer uh by reminding of a victor uh lavelle's um destroyer 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 yeah very similar kind of vibes i'm getting here yeah modern day interpretation a little bit yeah i'm uh oh this pig died two days ago and he's right here um a story that Mary Shelley would be proud of. Yeah, I think it just like the vibes are awful in the best way. Um, yeah. I'm all about it. Um, all right, next, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot 23rd World Tournament. This is the DLC coming to Kakarot. Uh, coming to Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Yes. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to spotlight this because um, first off, I'm just really glad that Kakarot's going backwards in the storytelling now and adding in stories from Dragon Ball, um, but also because. 
this functionally has removed flying. Like, you'll see characters are up in the air, but they are up in the air for special abilities or, like, jumps, but they cannot fly around the arena. And it's the largest the tournament arena has ever looked before because they really want you to use the size and scale and feel the pressure of what the tournaments felt like when you were watching Dragon Ball rather than what they become in Dragon Ball Z. Mm -hmm. And I find that just so... No Dragon Ball game has done this before. Um, They haven't gone... Uh, like back, well, okay, like there have been Dragon Ball games for like the the um, handheld systems and stuff, but the tournament stuff has not been this um, complex in its thought creation for the fights before, and it's just so different to see a, a Dragon Ball game doing this, where you have to think about being inside of this tournament scale and and not having the maneuverability that you're used to. Can ring out in this, hmm? which, which I thought was really interesting. You could actually push someone out of the ring and yeah. win you you have to you you want to try and do ring out yeah um, here, they, they, right here. they've yes. had those they have had those in, in the other games too as well. right like that's been there but like for a story component like you have two ways to win the fight you can yeah. either deplete the health or you can ring out and that's going to be like they're doing the full tournament arc like we're seeing some of the fights here um some of the big moments but they are doing like you're you're going to go through all the tournament matches like yamcha's in this fight uh in this tournament um uh, Jackie Chun's in this tournament, Krillin's in this tournament. Like you're going to be playing all through all these characters at the different points in the story and having to compete in all the different things. I think it's a really cool idea to do the arc this way. Uh, yeah, I just want to spotlight actually, that. Actually, this is the most I've been excited for Kakarot because I actually really like this gameplay mechanic of taking out the flight. Yes. Just doing this tournament arc as it was on the show like it really makes you feel like you're watching the sh- you're doing the show again it also looks really good uh, just like visually i think it looks really good um but it's 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 really cool that they're willing to like take away tools you have at other points in the game of kakarot like you usually have flying you usually have different abilities and they're like we're reducing you back um so that the pressure is on yeah yeah that's all uh, all right that's next sorry this thing went to sleep uh, uh hellboy, hellboy. Hellboy Web of... Is it weird? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. when they do, like, W-Y-R-M, it's worm, and I never understood that. It's just, um, that's, 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 like, that's like Nordic Nordic languages, and, like, you know, using Y's instead of I's, and Y's and U's. It's, and that, like, the, it's not... that the Y is uh, defined more by the letters that come after than the letter itself. Mm. So this is not a long trailer, but it's our first, like, a gameplay for this um, Yola uh, Hellboy game. Yeah, I love love this animation yeah we've talked about it before but i I do like the design so much yeah uh uh on on the the basement arcade quarterly one of those the comic book video games coming up yeah this is my upstream arcade this is going to be a over-the-shoulder brawler um with like dodge mechanics Uh, i can't imagine this is going to be longer than like six to eight hours with the type of game this is um but lance reddick one of his last performances as hellboy if you listen to the trailer his voice is there um looks really cool i'm very into i love the art style very much very much uh, like cell shaded Magnola look. So um, uh, I want to shout out because I missed it just earlier when we were talking about Birth Rebirth. Uh, Grayson pointed out that it was Judy Reyes is uh, the woman who played Carl Judy Reyes. Thank you. Love it. Yeah, I'm super into this game. Um, I uh, uh, um, I Xbox, so I'm gonna play it. Xbox, baby. And PlayStation. Oh yeah, this is just... on, it's gonna be on all. It's just that the Xbox that's... got the trailer for this one because that's they correct. were doing the Xbox event. That is correct. It's coming to everything. Yeah. Rusted metal. Uh, hey, Brandon, real quick, uh, do you know who made this trailer? You? Uh, no, a high school friend of ours, Michael Yanoska. Right, I did know that. Yeah, he made this trailer with his marketing company, which I'm really happy for him. I think he did a great job. So it's a good trailer. Before, spoiler, before we, no, I'm just kidding. Before we talk about the trailer, 
when we saw the first clip of this at the Game Awards or, or, or Summer Game bad. Fest, uh, it looked awful. It yeah. was an awful clip. Uh, I have 3,000% turned around on this, and I think this looks stupid fun. Um, they are not taking it seriously whatso like whatsoever. Uh, I've played all most of the Twist Middle games up to the PS3 era, and there is story mode stuff, but like... It's like it's it's like an arcade mode where you finish a story and then you get a character's arcade finish, right? So like it's about Nev Campbell is the bad guy of this thing. Uh, spoiler alert! Sorry, she's she's Calypso. She's the bad guy. Um, she goes. She sends people on missions t uh, to get their to get their wildest dreams to come true, and then the, she uh, uh, monkey paws it at the end. But this is basically a a traversal like um, road trip show, which is not what Twisted Metal is, but it is now turned into a road trip show, which makes sense because it's about car combat with. Anthony Mackie, yes. uh, Stephanie Beatrice, Thomas Hayden Church, who's just Nef, having a ball. Nev Campbell. Nev Campbell, Love Will that. Arnett, big clown man. Uh, I'm, I'm so I'm so on board. Yeah, I I really I really like this. I think that um, Anthony Mackie is being allowed to be the kind of funny that he's good at, and that that is like one of the strongest things about the show is the fact that that will be present. Um, it's it's so important i think for doing something like this that the comedy will land with his character and i really think that they're playing in his wheelhouse in such a good way mm -hmm. i i was not because like you guys said the clip i was not sold on this and i was like okay i'll check this out and then he does the oh there's a footlocker i was like oh shit is this good yeah <laughs> and and like i was and like the whole trailer like completely sold me i think this is a great trailer i think this looks like a lot of fun i think he, i think it looks very funny stephanie beatrice and anthony mackie are a pair i didn't know i needed mm -hmm. in my life sure um and i'm so excited for it i i'm i really i, I thought this was really funny i thought this looks really fun jason really manzukis so also in here for yeah, some yeah. reason love the zook i'm really excited for this actually yeah it's it's yeah so it, like post-apocalyptic like cities uh, have built walls around them, and then all the prisoners are outside, and they just do vehicular combat for fun. Uh, there's one shot at the end where I'm like, "Where is it? It's just, it just, it is just Twisted Metal. Uh, we'll find it eventually." But like, Twisted Metal is a vehicular combat game where you're trying to get first place and you're killing cars. It's like Mario Kart, but like way more murderous. Um, and that's what I want to the show to be. I don't need every episode to be that, but like, there's one specific shot that I don't think we're gonna get to. Oh, here it is. It, it just, I, I want that. It is Demolition Derby. There are 20 cars fighting each other in a big parking garage, and I'm like, if we get some of that, I'll be happy with the rest of the show. Uh, uh I also want to spotlight just like, I think the color and uh, just the production value of a lot of the set and visuals that we're seeing is really nice. Yeah. Um, it just looks like a pleasant show to look at. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't look, it does the budget looks good. Um, it's surprising. Uh, you know, you you get used to. I w I certainly feared like um something that because they're doing like Dreary Apocalypse stuff like very a lot of gray uh coming in, but like it's very very diverse in its color range, and I'm really grateful for it. Absolutely, big big surprise, big surprise this one. Surprise, yeah. Pod generation. Before I watched this trailer, I thought it was gonna be about podcasting. I thought it was Pop Generation when I first saw it. Mm. I saw the title, so I was like, oh, is this a documentary about pop figures? Yeah. <laughs> I uh, wouldn't, I would never watch that. I, uh. I really like this. Um, Amelia, I, the way I found this is uh, Amelia Clark sharing it um, and like writing something very personal about how much it meant to her to make this movie at this moment in her life. Uh, and it seems like something very unique, very personal about um, both her character and uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor's mm -hmm. character. Um, and this idea of... Uh, being a natural birth parent or not and uh how technology can scare you and the desire for family and what that means going forward in this technological future and all that kind of stuff i think it looks really unique 
and interesting and uh, like a good character piece. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we talk about like smaller budget films and this looks like a smaller budget film I'm really appealed to. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea. Like it, it is like, you know, it's like, like in the very, very near future and it's like people having to like like use oxygen masks on their way to work because of the environment so bad and him living I, in like in like nature because like, like nature is like leaving the planet in a way yeah. i love i love the gestation period being something where everyone can outwardly now like kind of judge you as a parent early because it's not just a mom carrying the baby in inside of her it's now this egg that the dad can take responsibility for has to carry around and everybody's kind of judging your parenting through that perspective for the entire nine months for both of you and i yeah. think that's also really interesting Absolutely. Very into it. Um, Anka. Flip that, scratch it, reverse it. I am so excited for this movie. Um, I am so excited because it's the director of Paddington. Um, I think it. I think the visuals are incredible. Every supporting actor I'm really excited for. I love Timothy Chalamet. That's not just because he's Emperor Paul Muad'Dib Atreides the first. I really hope there's a second trailer that shows that he's actually got some charisma because boy howdy <laughs> I needed to watch this a second time because like it's almost like shocking how like uh like charismaless he appears in so, so many shots. Uh I I like literally everything about this movie except for Timothy Chalamet right now. Yes. Um and it's and it's from the moment that he was cast as Wonka, I told you guys like I don't see it. Like, I just don't see it. I think he's good, but I don't see him as Willy Wonka. Yeah. And I'm all the more put off of, from it now that I know this is supposed to be young Gene Wilder. Yes. Um, and I'm like, sorry, he isn't. Yeah. There's no way. And I really wish you weren't trying to lean into that idea because it's not possible. Um, he just doesn't seem like him at all. So I'm with Ryan here on the surface. This is directed by the guy, by the director Paddington. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Sparks because I really like the supporting cast here. There is a lot of this that I'm really excited for, but are but it just can't do whimsy. And I <laughs> just can't be whimsical. And the thing is, like I know he's done other projects where he has been like loosey goosey and like he's a very never very, this big, never this never big, this never big. this big. But like I know, I know he can be whimsical. But like I much like. Because uh, it's been going around, Brandon, because you, you, you're a Paddington lover like I. That first trailer for Paddington was also not very good. Um, so I'm really, really hoping that, like, they just chose, unfortunately, the worst shots of him. Because, like, sure. I don't... I want to believe, because I know all the drama in the movie is going to be excellent. He's so good at being a, 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 dra a drama actor, a dramatic actor. So, like... I, I don't know, man. I wish he was not limited by the constraints of the expectation of Gene Wilder's yes, performance. I yes. wish he were defining his own Wonka. Um, and the fact that it like is living in that same space, I feel like hurts the movie more than helps it. Um, is specifically this, as much as I think this bit with Hugh Grant's Oompa Loompa I love is it. really, really funny, love it. it does feel like it ties it so strongly to Gene Wilder's film and thus makes me think about Gene Wilder's Wonka. And I'm like, Timothy Chalamet is just... He's not Gene Wilder. He's yeah. just, he's just, you can't. And I really wish he was allowed the freedom to make his own Wonka because I would I would feel better about that. I agree. But the fact that he's trapped by that, I think, is all the more hurting him. But even looking past that, he doesn't feel like he belongs in the movie that I'm seeing literally everybody else in this trailer uh, in. He just doesn't fit. It's true. No. I, I tried so hard. I tried so hard to just, like let it wash over me but they're like he's like scratch that reverse it and i'm like there's no gene wilder in there whatsoever <laughs> not even a lick not even a lick 
That's gonna I be- hope it pulls it off because I again I really like Paddington, Paddington's one and two, and the director of of those two of the two Paddingtons he didn't do Paddington three because he was doing this. So I want to believe he, it was worth it. He stole Sally Hawkins from Paddington three to be in this movie. Yeah, yeah I I agree with you. Like I want to like this movie. Yeah, I really really do, and I'm sure I'm going to like everything. But I'm not sure I'm going to like <sighs> Timothy Chalamet. I'm really hoping a second trailer can. Can can solve some of the yeah because sure. I am he is the star of it if he right. doesn't work that's gonna be it's uh, gonna be hard whoop yeah yeah oh actually Ryan yes we are at Blue Beetle now I'm not gonna play this trailer because it's three minutes and it shows the whole movie and I didn't watch it yeah okay it's three minutes it shows, shows too much of the movie uh, they shouldn't have put they shouldn't have released it it's it no it looks really good I just I really <laughs> wish I didn't watch it because uh, it shows. A lot of the movie, and it shows, this is a great trailer, which makes me think the movie is going to be really good, but so many of those, like, moments you wish you saw, like, the moments you wish you saw in the theater, I, I saw in this trailer. Like, three moments specifically, I'm like, I this has been ruined for me, this incredible moment. Specifically, specifically at the end, there's one great moment with, the, like, the grandma, where I'm like, I really wish I would have saw that in theater. It's really funny. Um, and that's the entire trailer. So, like, I'm so excited for Blue Beetle. Uh... It's over three minutes of the entire movie. Ryan got to me before I watched it and told me, like, I'm, I'm feeling really good about it. You shouldn't watch it. <laughs> like, I really like Blue Beetle. I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing here. I like the first trailer a lot. The first trailer sold me. This trailer still looks really good. Like, I, I just think it's too much of the movie, as Ryan said. But the other thing that really concerns me, I don't understand. I get not going to bat for Shazam. And when 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 Gunn would be like, yeah, Shazam's a movie we're producing. Oh, The Flash is really good though. He never goes to bat for for Blue Beetle. He's like, hey, I'm a, hey, here's this one coming out. Yeah, I'm, I'm in I'm, one month. I'm yeah. also nervous about. I'm hoping that as we get closer, he'll make more of a public push. Um, yeah. The actor, I forget the name, who's playing uh, him. He did share that James Gunn has said that he really enjoyed the film, um, and James Gunn didn't discredit that. So like, I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> So you're gonna say no? I hate your movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I hope so. I hope. I hope it's good. I'm excited for it. Yep. Guns. Why? Why? I do. Why I do want gun. Flash? Like, if guns gonna pedal the flash, I hope gun champions this. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. That's why I never bought the flash being the flash thing being like a company line thing because he's not. Do, he didn't do it for any of the others. Not doing it for Blue Beetle or Shazam. He's just saying the Flash is really incredible. Well, but I mean, like, it still can be a company line thing because Zaslav bet the bank on the Flash. It's true. The whole bank. The whole bank. All right. Next is Star Wars: Ahsoka. Before I suck this trailer's dick, <gasps> I, wanna, I I do want to say there is a subsection of people who have not watched Rebels, and I feel bad for them because this really is a sequel to Rebels. Besides other stuff, like, there is a lot of, like, all of these characters, all of the stuff with Thrawn, like, this is, this, this is one of the first, like, series where, like, it has baggage. It is hardcore baggage. So I am just, I am, I am happy to be where I am, where I'm, I've, 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 I've taken it all in and I'm ready for it. It's going to be a really interesting experience for us because we're going to be watching it with, uh, at least two people in this house who have not watched Rebels by yeah. the time that this starts. And I'm sure they'll give my you mom, enough. My mom is going to try and power it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like my, my wife and her sister, like probably not. So it's going to be really interesting to see, like things that are going to mean so much to you and me and they're just going to yeah i i i just want to say one thing before once it before we we really get into it which is there are space whales they did the space whales it's in this trailer a space whale yeah well, we saw the space whales in mandalorian 
No, but we saw what this. Uh, it was right. It was. It's a space it whale. It's it wasn't a big just old a shadow. Toy. It was like a full. Oh, yeah. full That's a full ass pergle. Um. We see and we see the we see the tentacles and I'm like, oh, it, they did it. This they is, did it. This is the most excited I've been for a live action Star Wars show since Andor. Yeah, hundred um, percent. And I know Andor wasn't that long ago, but like this is the this is the one that makes me feel like, oh shit, we're really doing it. We're really doing it. That's that is that is that they yeah, 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 yeah. space whale. Purgle. The Purgles. But. Uh Sabine's haircut. God Thrawn looks good, which I'm so happy about. Um Sabine looks incredible. Uh I I love this idea of um uh now knowing that Ray Stevenson had a a some amount of connection with Anakin and he's throwing that around on Ahsoka. So we yeah, we know <clears throat> just because it's been released, this isn't a spoiler. They are Jedi who survived Order 66 and now they are mercenaries on the outer rim. Right. So like they are working with Thrawn in some capacity, which you see in this trailer, like it is a bunch of people gathering together to find Thrawn or whatever. So two episode I, premiere. I'm not confused about I'm not confused about that. Yeah. I'm confused about who the Inquisitor is. That's yes. Yeah. How did he survive? I not Order sixty six, because obviously we know how he survived that, but yeah. like at the time that we get to, I would assume there's no Inquisitors left. I have to assume that it is it is not the actual, like, by name Inquisitor. They are just using their equipment because maybe they, they have it or some Ooh, capacity. Who yeah. knows, yeah. though? Who knows? Um, um, the, my, biggest, my biggest thing still, um, I don't... I'm still having trouble with Rosaria Dawson as Ahsoka. I just don't think she's got it. Um, she's sure. very stiff and hollow sure. as the character. But everything that I'm seeing here still looks really good and really what I want to see. So, I don't, I know. don't disagree with you that um, nothing has changed my mind about the fact that like, I can accept that Ahsoka is just maybe a kind of a different character by the time that she's this age and everything. Yep. And like that's kind of what I have to live with. But you're right. Like, um, I just don't see the same the same character of Ahsoka as she's portrayed in in Rebels and in Clone Wars in Rosario Dawson's performance like I just they're not they're not in sync enough to me and it is one of those times where like I'm like it's not it's not bad enough to bother me but it's also not great enough for me to celebrate because I still live in a space where I'm like I I just Rosario Dawson got it from fan casting and I and I still don't know if that was necessarily the right way to go um, because I'm with you 100%. Because I'm not there yet. Now, this show on its own is going to prove out. And honestly, I feel like it's going to stay in that kind of middle ground where I'm like, well, it's not garbage. Like, I don't hate it. I still kind of see Ahsoka here. But I also don't think, like, bam, you did it. You got it. Like, you nailed it in yeah. one. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to get to either of those points. This yeah. does still look like a Disney Plus show, but this looks like the best, the best looking Disney Plus show. Right. Like, I, they're still doing the volume. They're still do. They're not. This isn't a, a movie level event. Um, but it looks great. Like, it all looks really, really good. More importantly, like, the practical stuff looks incredible, especially, like, the, the stuff on Hera, where we get a lot of footage of her here, and Hera looks great. Once a uh, rebel, always a rebel. Chopper, um, being present, looks incredible. I'm so excited for Chopper. Um, so, so, I don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't remember Sabine being Force-sensitive, and I wonder if it's going to be revealed that she is now, that she always was, but always was, but is being trained in the Force by Ahsoka, or is Ahsoka just continuing what Kanan was trying to do by just teaching her how to use a lightsaber? I think it's that. I, I don't think they're gonna do a, I don't think they're gonna do a misdirect of, like, this character, you know, for so long is actually also a Jedi. I don't think, I think they're just gonna continue the training. We see her try to use a Force and it doesn't work. I don't think it's gonna be a misdirect where she does have the Force. I don't, I don't think that adds value to Sabine as a character, personally. She's a Mandalorian. Let her be a Mandalorian. She could be a Jedi well, Mandalorian, you know? That's the thing, that's, 
were because Sabine, so much of Sabine's story was um, kind of paralleling uh, the first Jedi Mandalorian. Right. That's why she had the dark saber for so long. Yeah. So to kind of, I, so I'm kind of with you. Like I don't think it's necessary to to retroactively make her a Jedi as well. But to, I also kind of see the idea where, oh, what if she was? Then she's the. She is, in fact, the first Jedi Mandalorian for thousands of years and could help that Well, maybe bridge where we get the Mandalorian and Ahsoka here. You know? That's what Grogu is. That's right. Grogu we, is that. We, can't, we can't take Grogu. away from Grogu's like entire trajectory. Like That's why I don't think she... But she, she can be it first, and well, Grogu can be it in 50 here's years. Thing. Here's the thing. You can be Force-sensitive and this not be This is the same a, time period. You can be Force-sensitive and not be a Jedi, which I think is also more possible, the story yeah. that they're going to explore, is that, like, because we've had the paper. ideas going forward with, like, the new trilogy, that there are Force-sensitive people who just don't become Jedi um, and and don't become Sith, and, like, they kind of have their own relationship with the Force, mm -hmm. and that can be Sabine's path. Sabine doesn't have to become a Jedi. Sabine can have hey. her own dynamic that she engages with the Force with and, and how that works. And it would make sense that Ahsoka is teaching her how to connect to the Force, but not necessarily how to be a Use Jedi. It. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to say... I use Jedi as a, as a, as a, as a catch-all for Force user. No, I, not mean I get it. I get it. I, I'm not picking apart what you said. I'm responding to what I think is on the table here, that I think the, yeah. the story to tell is about someone who can have a relationship with the Force that isn't those things. Oh. And that might be the purpose of putting uh, it Ch from Rogue One. Right. He doesn't he doesn't throw a blast, but he's connected to the force. Or the girl the girl who we meet in Rise of Skywalker who I don't remember the name of and is implied to be force sensitive but never have picked any kind of side with that or anything. Well Grogu. Like Grogu is a man as 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 Ryan said, Grogu is a Mandalorian, mm -hmm. not a Jedi. Um so like and I meant to say and I've only brought I said that Grogu could pick up the path in 50 years because Grogu is still a toddler yeah. he's not going to lead the Mandalorians and unite the Mandalorian and Jedi but uh, Sabine could be that more readily now that said I did not mean to get down into the rabbit hole because I actually don't think that's the case I do think it is uh, continuing Kanan's training uh, uh, so that Sabine can use a lightsaber and I don't think it's necessary to make her a Jedi I just think that path is actually open um I would prefer if he didn't. I think the path is open. I think that's the easy path, and I don't think Dave Filoni will take that. I I would I would honestly I'm down for a path. That is what I said. Like where you pursue a character. Like we've never had a focal character who is like outside of Rogue One, but even then that wasn't like one of our main characters yeah. that we're following on an arc. Who is a person who has a relationship with the Force, can engage with the Force, can utilize the Force to an extent, but is not a Jedi. Is yeah. not a Sith. Um, is their own is has their own kind of way of connecting. Um, yeah. I think forming something new is fine. It's so nice, Ezra. Like, uh, uh, yeah, this is the two episode premiere. I have to imagine most of the stuff we're seeing is from the first two episodes. They generally, that's generally how a lot of, a lot of these trailers uh, come out. So, like, for sure, we're seeing a lot of stuff. We're seeing Thrawn. We're seeing the Purgles. We're seeing the Inquisitor. So, like, that's really exciting. That like, we're not. This isn't the entire season. Like, what's going on here? Is this the world between worlds? What's going on? What's going on? What's happening? I don't think it's the world between worlds. I don't think we're going back. I hope not. Um, I can, I can. I think Filoni even said they're not going back there, at least right now. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, just think... I'm excited for this. I think it looks great. Um, if Ezra does turn out to be that Inquisitor, that would be really spicy. But I don't think that's the case. That's just a fun theory. Oh. That's a fun theory, because he is a skinny dude. That's a skinny person with that lightsaber. People said it could be Starkiller, which... I know that Filoni wanted to make Starkiller into an Inquisitor in Rebels, but I think the time is passed. Oh, yeah. I think I also think that might be passed, yeah. Um... 
last trailer. Ooh, yeah. goodbye, Ray Stevenson. I love you. Godzilla minus one. This is the <clears throat> new Godzilla film coming from Japan. Um, it is uh, going to be released in November. Once again, this is only a thirty-second trailer. Very like a mood piece, um, kind of giving us a, a impression of what this is going to be. Um, so it's coming out in November in Japan, but. Toho International looks like it will. It is coming out in December in America, and it looks like it's going to be distributed by Toho International, which will be the first time they've distributed a film to America ever. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, because they they normally just license movies to other companies. I'm yeah, they're making a big push for this one, I think. Like that combined with the fact that they opened the Godzilla, they opened a North American Godzilla store where you can buy everything that's in Japan before American money, mm-hmm. for North American prices. Mm-hmm. Like, they're really pushing Godzilla into Western spaces, and I think that's really cool. Yes. Uh, on this trailer, I think this looks awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, we don't we don't see a lot, but the important thing was, like, more about, like, just the reveal of what this is, um, which is this post-war Japan we're going all the way back, uh, which we've never done before. 40s. We're going back um, to just after, uh, really directly, it seems, just after the atomic bombing. Um, at least uh, that seems to be the indication. Yeah, post-war. And, um, and that putting Godzilla even even in the original Godzilla it's still a while after the bombs yeah. um so the idea that we're going back even closer to that proximity is really enticing um i love the fact that i'm glad we are not doing this i love that japan is getting an opportunity to um you know all these years later do a new reassessment on Godzilla right at that moment in time and and say there's an opportunity to say a lot um, I talked about this with Ryan, where I think like part of the point of the title of minus one is um, the idea that Japan was kind of reset to a zero point uh, when the bombs happened and what happened in Japan, and the idea that Godzilla coming around almost sets them even further backwards, uh, uh, and like how that can yeah, that's uh, exactly what it is yeah, and how that can affect them. Um, I find that really enticing yeah, uh, and I I'm just I'm so I'm so ready for. Um, not just a a new film that like especially in the the wake of Oppenheimer coming out this year which oh, is so cool oh, but like oh. really really reassessing like on an international scale being faced so directly on our part with uh what the atomic bombing did to Japan and what that meant for the world um but specifically what it meant for their country putting Godzilla back directly in that context making us engage with it and frankly making Godzilla scary again oh yeah I really so uh, Takeshi Yamazuki, I believe, is the director's name. Um, he is using a tweaked version of a Godzilla design he's been using since uh, a old uh, drama film he used. Yes. Uh, uh, um, that he also used in the ride that he that he directed, the Ghidorah. It's a great design. It's a great design. I really like it, and I think he really nails it in this movie. They've released promotional images of what this design, the the new kind of tweak looks like, and a figure, uh, full body images and a figure. of a figure. Looks, yeah, looks so good, it does. and I'm so into it. Yes, I really, I really like this. Um, there is a confusion about like mistranslation or or misunderstanding about the idea that this is connected to Shin Godzilla and set backwards in that continuity. I I feel like that has to be misconstrued is they they've clarified um Good. they clarified that it was a mistranslation it is following shin because it's the next movie after that they did after shin yeah. right sure yeah uh I, I i prefer something that's like holy especially with what they're doing like they they are they are restrained by nothing um 
and and can do whatever they want and uh i'm fascinated by it i'm, I'm truly truly like uh this has the potential to be something so impactful True. and powerful yeah. for godzilla um godzilla uh the reiwa era of godzilla this is what this film is currently in which is shin godzilla and up um i think has i think there have been such really interesting ideas that they're playing with with godzilla toho has really allowed creators to run wild with this character uh really do some bizarre things especially in anime format like singular point and the earth trilogy which the earth trilogy is not great but i think that i think that last movie is pretty cool um the but like Shin and now this and even with the MonsterVerse, there's so many different interpretations of how people have done Godzilla that are currently going, and it's just so cool and constantly keeps it fresh. Of like, oh, what am I gonna get with this Godzilla? What am I gonna get with that Godzilla? I'm really, inter- I'm really excited by this era. I am too. It's a nice, it's a nice new, fresh start. Yeah. Um. So yeah, actually, the fact that this is coming out this year. Just a month after its Japanese release is really exciting, and I'm super excited to see Less it in theaters. Less than five months away. I I really like. Yeah. I'm I'm so intrigued. I really am. I'm very curious where we're gonna be in the next year. Um, just as a as a nation, but maybe as a world, having a conversation about we're gonna we're gonna talk about the atomic bombs. We're gonna talk about them differently after this year because Oppenheimer, I think, is gonna put it back on everybody's mindset and then you follow it up with Godzilla coming out 100%. Um, in this context. I think that, you know, there's really gonna be a little bit of a national reassessment of um, hey, we all need to talk about how we committed a war crime. True. Yeah. This film, uh I'm very excited that this film is going to have Ooh. a um a uh, uh an international release that's not going to be a fathom event so this will be readily available in american theaters uh for a long run thrilled Very cool. can't wait to be there with you brandon but yeah um cool so that's it guys that's the show that's the end of the trailer loved it loved it that was Look fun Still three hours long, though. We we <laughs> really went on the strike, but yes. I think that was such a wonderful conversation. I'm not mad about no, it. No, it was a lovely conversation. Um, I don't. I doubt many episodes will be that long, uh, especially as news begins to dwindle down because of the strikes. Yes. Um, but yeah, so next week we will be back with another episode. Um, uh, of course, we don't know what that's going to be yet because the news hasn't happened yet. So stay sure. tuned for whatever that's going to be. But... Uh, also, stay tuned for our Cinephiles on Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, we will get that out uh, because we're excited to review it. So, uh, stay tuned for that. True, also, true, true. also, keep an eye out on the book club feed because we'll be coming out with a, our next uh, rotational book club uh, soon. It'll be The Ultimates Volume 1 from that's, Hickman. That's that's my book club. I picked it. Yes. Uh, so hey, Jonathan Hickman and Assad Rebic put respect on their names so uh keep an eye out for that because that'll be coming around too so it's all the usual stuff just in different ways and at different points in time true true um cool so that's the that that that's everything guys so be sure to make sure to like this video and subscribe to this channel um you can check out of course our other shows on this network such as conversation uh, as my audio show where i recently talked to rachel strange from the narrative labyrinth and as mentioned up top my next episode will be with the entire cast of d and dark including carmilla hell yeah um so stay tuned for that episode coming this week uh, of course, you can check out Fake Nerds Watch, which is our other show we do here, which is currently going through Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and we'll come out with at least one more episode of Secret Invasion. So For sure. Sure. 
Stay tuned for what that's going to be. Basement Arcade, plenty more Basement Arcade episodes are coming. That's our video game show. And Basement Arcade Pause Mini, which is our video game discussion series where you guys just just did a quarterly. We did. It's real good. Go check it uh, out. And uh, thank you, uh, the, the, the Fake Nerd Book Club, as Park said, will be coming back with a vengeance, a mm-hmm. uh, new format. Animation Station, uh, the Real Score, new episodes coming out there. Miscellaneous new episodes coming out there. And I will from now on be put, be, be, pro- be promoting cinephiles in this section because even though it does not have its own audio dedicated audio feed it will be far more active as we move the movie reviews specific uh, exclusively on uh cinephiles yeah love it um grayson says wow i was able to make it for for a bit of it thank you so much for the show and it was great to see you guys also looking forward to a possible sequel to dnd episode have a great day yeah that'd be cool it's more possible now happens. that we change things. Thank you, Chaos Gaming Theory, for stopping by. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you, Chaos Gaming Theory. Um, we, had a, we had a fun chat. We had people in the chat who who followed us from Sunday nights, except for Mag. I hope Mag gets to watch this soon. We'll shout out you. We'll shout you out anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you can of course check out our Patreon and our T Public if you'd like to support us financially. Uh, it'd be a great help. Once again, my T Public has my conversation logo as a shirt now. Uh, you can find all of the things that I've mentioned up top on our website at fakenerdpodcast.com. Uh, check it out there. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the live show. And thank you to everyone who watches the Rewind. We greatly appreciate all of your support. Uh, we, this wouldn't be possible without you guys. Sure. The fact that you're willing to listen to us for so long is incredible. Um, especially on this new journey. Thank you to Jeremy Vellucci. Jeremy Vellucci is the person who did all the music you heard here tonight. As well as today, this morning. That's weird. Going to get to get used to that. Sure. Uh, and uh, you can also check him out at Jeremy Vellucci, Jeremy Vellucci underscore Wreck of Time, where he, he is also the host of the of the Real Score, uh, and he does this podcast, Suburban Proctologist on on Facebook, slash Suburban Proctologist official, or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. He also does the music for all of our other shows. Right. Thank you to Mike Matola. Mike Matola, wonderful collaborator of ours, did a couple of our logos, a couple of episodes. You can find him at Mike Matola on Instagram and TikTok, uh, and YouTube. He's uploading his his things to YouTube now. Yeah. Um, you can find him on tw- you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Fake Nerd Podcast. FakeNerdGuys at gmail.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us personally, I'm a BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for CBR.com, AtomicGeekdom.com, and KaijuRamaMedia.com, where I put up a review of Skull Island Season 1. Ryan, where can people find you? Oh, boy. You could find me enjoying the rest of my Sunday at DJ Tony Snark 616 uh, Sparks, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me uh, looking forward to getting Brandon into Fortnite tonight at Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter. S P A R K Z Witty. I'll believe him when I see it. Did promise you. Um, you can find Ben at Ben Magnet on Instagram and Twitter. Also writing for Old School Gaming Magazine. Uh, uh, Fusion Gaming Magazine. Fusion, Fusion Gaming Magazine. Yeah. Go Nintendo.com and playing Mary Frankenstein on D and Dark. You got it. Wednesday. You nailed it. Our you Ben's it. a busy boy. We're so proud of him. Hell yeah. Yes, he is. Um, subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. New show. I always say where exactly you can find us, but now, no. Subscribe to us on your podcatcher of choice. Rate and review on your podcatcher of choice. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video. Subscribe to this channel. Until next time you see us, guys. Stay fake, nerds. Stay fake, nerds.